Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and I'm joined. I don't fuck that up very often. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Oh, bask in his glory. Oh, bask in his glory. I mean, mood voice chat, but oh, Keith Lee, oh, what a man. I just think to myself, he's a big lad, he can wrestle, he's got a future in that WWE, right? Oh, big future, this lad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be difficult to fuck this one up, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, it would take a proper moron to fuck this one up. Yeah. So we are doing PWG, Pro Wrestling Gorillas Basking His Glory. It's uh, the 25th of May, 2018, the last ever PWG show in Reseda, California, at the American Legion Post 308. Um, but before we get into that, I guess we should update people on why we were a bit delayed. And, you know, it's we're halfway through Wrestle Kingdom. It's been quite the last few days, Mr. Tax Williams. Yeah. I mean, I'll start with mine for the undercard. Um mm. At the weekend, we were going to try and record this podcast on Sunday. And to start with, um, I foolishly took my daughter to a friend's house. And it's her friend from nursery. They're very, very close. And normally, every time they go home, the only way to get her out is pick her up and walk her and drag her out of the house, pretty much. (laughs) Kids say they're great fun. The problem is, her little friend, who is five this month, is also quite strong and she shouts out loudly edward pull my foot or edward pull my hand and by pulling her hand while i'm trying to hold on to this chunk of a human being now um like <laughs> put my neck out <laughs> so oh, i messaged you beforehand and i was like can barely walk I'm, I'm lying down on the kitchen floor and it's it's not good and then i was like right okay rest it out i'm trying to put my daughter to bed but alas We've had a long day. We've done lots. All hail the almightiest of temper tantrums. Good God. It was like a meltdown to end all meltdowns. Now, my daughter's refusing to go to bed. She's laying on the bedroom floor, kicking at the metal bed frame, trying to throw her head backwards. So I'm like, right, just going to lift her up, put her on the bed, put my hand on her chest just to lay her down so she can kick as much as she likes on the nice soft mattress. She then sat up. I was like, right. And then she went to throw herself back. So I thought, oh no, the metal bed frame. Catch the back of her head. She then knelt up and threw herself forward, stopped punching her hands into the, like, the pillow <laughs> and face planted at a rate oh, of knots into the metal bed frame. Literally, within Gee. seconds, she looked like a Klingon <laughs> with Pure a second head. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to go to the hospital. So even if I hadn't put my, my <laughs> neck out... like the fourth Beverly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so even if we hadn't, I hadn't managed to like put my my neck and shoulder in in discomfort by trying to pull my child out of the house. Um, mm. I wouldn't have been able to record on Sunday. So I had a lovely trip to a hospital where not only because obviously you're going there at like seven thirty in the evening on a Sunday night, and of course you've got a young child who has a very badly bruised face. What's the first thing that the hospitals have to start asking? Really horrible questions such as. Did, how did this happen? Did your parents do this to you? <laughs> Please tell me. She was like, yeah, the man with the beard and the tattoos hit me. 
Well, but seriously, I was a wreck, mate, because before we left, my wife was like, Harriet, how did it happen? And she shouted, Daddy pushed me. Coaching her. <laughs> mate, I was a mess because I thought, we're going to have to take her oh, to the hospital. No and she's gonna, she said, Daddy pushed me, holy shit. And I thought, she's going, she's going to say this at the hospital and all of my good work sullying my terrible name in Brit rest would already be ruined anyway but then my employer <laughs> would come to me and go oh well this doesn't look good oh my god oh, but luckily luckily <laughs> luckily the truth came out yeah sure, and sure, i smacked sure. her in the face of a steel chair <laughs> <laughs> go to bed you know hands out right yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> proper like rock on mankind chair shot <laughs> but <clears throat> i if you thought that was bad for me mate you've had a that times a million worse a uh, couple of days. Well, well, just to clarify, your daughter is okay now, yeah? Yeah, she's she was back at school today, so again, we had to take her past the teach. She went, don't worry about this massive bruising all over the face. <laughs> <laughs> Same questions, probably. Sure, sure. As I said, like everyone needs a good uh, face-smashing story, you know? I, I kind of briefly told you mine. Do you want to roughly hear them? Yeah, go for it. So the first one was... Um, I used to play rugby a lot as a kid, right? Up until about 16 when I discovered, you know, drugs and girls. <laughs> I used to like really be competitive when I was playing rugby. And I used to play in the front row of the scrum. And uh, basically we're in a, a mall, which is, uh, do you know rugby? Um, I understand that it is a um, an oval-shaped ball. And there okay, are two types, so... one in a league and one where you're a union with the big okay. show Mankind, Ken Shamrock and Test. Yeah, so union, definitely the big show Test Mankind variety, okay? um uh playing union uh i'm in, basically in uh, with the big guys who hurt each other a lot at the front okay <laughs> do the big ouchy tackly bits right uh, remember i'm five six but i'm, I'm built like a brick shit out so it's like i'm, I'm built for this mate <laughs> anyway so um uh we're, we're in the mall i've got the ball i'm held on to it i'm like you know in, in, in with the big boys like they're doing all the work for me and i'm just gonna get the glory at the end right and the guy who is my prop, right? So he's like my right-hand man. We go into battle together every game. It's on the other team because we're training. And so he dives at the mall as hard as he can. And basically the two big lads separate. And I see like a 400-pound giant charge me in the face with his shoulder. And I go, oh, that knocked me back. I remember kind of like opening my eyes while I'm laid back on the floor going, oh, hello, who are all you people? <laughs> so uh, I don't know if I was properly knocked out or whatever, but this took place at about eight, nine o'clock at night. So like an evening training session, right? Under like really bad floodlights in the corner of like a giant like rugby club that we played for. Um, and so everyone's like, you're right. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, this was 10 years ago. We didn't have quite concussion protocols and stuff. Yeah, back then. Get back up and keep playing with your massive head injury literally so i'm like well i feel a bit woozy and a bit sore I'm, I'm, I'm not bleeding my nose has never bled even though i've broken it like seven times now um I'm the man out it now, it's broken <laughs> it's blocked blood comes out yeah, of your eyes now yeah yeah blood would never escape through my nose that's for sure it's so blocked up unless you can't tell by the way i talk on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah there's a reason i sniffle constantly but anyway so Training finishes, we all go into the clubhouse, and my coach turns around to me and goes, Oh, <laughs> you might want to go look in the mirror. And I'm like, Yeah, so do you, you ugly cunt. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> banter, etc., etc. And he's like, No, 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 no. You look like the friendly lion. And I'm like, What? <laughs> so 
I remember just going into the toilets and like, you know, those tiny little like A4 square mirrors in like um, schools or whatever. Oh, yeah. Right? So I remember just looking at that and going, oh, I don't have a nose. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first face smashing uh, story. No, the other think, one that I mentioned to you, go on, sorry. I, I was going to say, I, I think head smashing runs in my family because I don't know if I ever told you the story about me, a glass door and a Jaffa cake. Oh, please do. This is <laughs> uh, like, We're going to talk about PWG. It's really, really good, but there's so much going on. Fuck it. Let's just have fun. <laughs> so, um, I re- well, I, I, I've been told this story um, when I was younger. And as I've mentioned many times in the pod, you know, it's not a rags to riches story. It's a more a boy has stolen wealth from other people to become wealthy himself. But I came from very, very... <laughs> humble background <laughs> that's brilliant Go on, yeah. um so treats sweets biscuits weren't really a thing in my household growing up but one day my father had a pack of jaffa cakes mm. and i remember being well, i was told that i was very keen to want to have a jaffa cake and i was told no i can't have a jaffa cake so i went off and had a temper tantrum to then be told, still, I cannot have a Jaffa cake. So what I did in the front hallway in the, ho- the little house we lived in in Ashford at the time, I ran full pelt, head down, at the glass pane of the front door, and <laughs> smashed my head through it. <laughs> through it? Through it. And my mum came out wondering what the noise was. I'm sat there, an absolute mess, and apparently all I did was look up her, put my arms there, and go, Jaffa cake! <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what? Got my fucking Jaffa cake. Let's go. Don't, don't. I mean, There's bad parenting here. from my mother. <laughs> give in. Shouldn't have given in. I just smashed the window. We can't afford Jaffa cakes, let alone a front pane of glass. So the lesson is if you don't get what you like, <laughs> smash your face through a pane of glass. Exactly. If anything, if, if a child can put its head through it, it wasn't that much. It was a flimsy bit of glass. Basically, it was the same glass they use in elimination chambers. That's all I'm saying. Nice, nice. Yeah, fucking A. So, um, yeah, the other story that I had was that my friend Daniel basically was jumping, you know, those bike racks that are like little V shapes, yeah. the metal pole that come out of the ground and the concrete, like real cheap ones or whatever. Uh, yeah, he was jumping from one of those to the next to the next in kind of like autumn time, slipped, smashed his head on the big pole that came out, literally cracked his brain open, saw a kid's brain when I was about five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. He was never quite the same, that lad. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, I remember just watching it happen and going, oh, that looks bad. Run away. <laughs> oh. nah, I went and got his mum, obviously, because it was like picking up time from school. Jesus. Everyone loves yeah, seeing brain. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It was probably just like blood and a bit of cartilage or something, but it was like a five, probably about five or six because it was primary school. Yeah, you're instantly like, oh, there's his brain. <laughs> teacher, teacher, look, there's Krang from the turtles on that boy's head. <laughs> oh lovely lovely so um yeah yeah my thing is uh my lovely wife has covid so i have a plague house right now uh my daughter's super ill and i'm on the way i think i'm feeling a bit sniffly a bit sore it's delightful have you uh partaken in any form of testing at this stage or it's because you have to isolate i guess you're just riding out the isolation period i guess yeah mrs did the test obviously um flow and a pcr jobby and uh i've we run out of tests unfortunately that was kind of the last of them so we've got um pcr is it pcr is that the yeah one? that's yeah. that's the one we've got to go and have like the swab jam down your throat rather than just the nose test of the um the lateral flow 
Sure, sure. So we've got both in the post basically coming here because we can't go anywhere to do them, obviously. So um, I did have this thought earlier because obviously I'm watching uh, Wrestle Kingdom at the moment. Love a bit of Japanese wrestling. And it, at about 6.30 a.m. this morning when my kid had been up for about three hours by that point, oh. endlessly screaming because she's ill. It was delightful. I was a bit like, I know I'm not meant to, <laughs> but there is just a little corner shop up the road that sells caffeine drinks. <laughs> it's all right if i affect just one person right <laughs> it's not contagious at all for a pepsi max it's fine yeah exactly it'll be fine don't worry about you it you should see this is the thing when i said to you yesterday even if it was a silly <laughs> like i was at a little wildlife park yesterday near where uh where rich lives or at least you know, like, it's a 20 minute drive from where where rich is and i said to you is there anything you need genuinely if you just said just put a 500 mil bottle of pepsi on my doorstep and i'll be elated i'll be like great no problem but that would take like pre-thinking about my situation. And you know I'm not good at that. <laughs> I'm not good at preparing <laughs> for anything. I just take every moment as it comes. It's exciting. But uh, it's sometimes um, hmm, a stupid way to lead your life, I'm going to be honest. No, I'm, I, I, I'm Johnny Preparation. For example, tomorrow, as I'm, I'm currently on call from work, so I, I get to enjoy Wrestle Kingdom. If there's a security incident, I have to jump on. But by and large, my time is my time. So I'm going to rearrange this office tomorrow because um, my wife starts her new job at the end of February and she's also going to be home working, which means I'm going to start working in London a hell of a lot more. <laughs> Fair play to you. Um, but I've got to obviously it's move funny, around. It's funny, as I was... Okay, oh, go I was going to say... As I was saying, it's like, I'm like really bad at prepping for certain things like, you know, will I need energy <laughs> for this moment or whatever. But then like, you know, with my house move coming up, I've prepared every single element of every <laughs> possible experience. So I mean, hmm, I'm very strange that way. I'm either prepared for everything or nothing, apparently. Long term planner. Hmm. That's what it is. Anyway, so today we are doing PWG's Basking His Glory. That um Wrestle Kingdom main event was pretty good, wasn't it? I I mean it's a real shame that we had a Broadway a couple of weeks beforehand, because if not, I'd go, that's probably the best match I've seen in the last few weeks. But this, I mean, I think it's two completely different match styles, two se separate bits of storytelling. I know we're going to go and do like our, our massive Wrestle Kingdom run analysis discussion next week, confabulation next week, including uh, New Japan versus Noah as well, because we'll yeah. chuck that in there as well. We'll give it a little pod, I think, you know, chat some shit. I'm yeah. probably going to be in the house move process as well. So, And you'll, be, and you'll have COVID as well by this well, time next week. Yeah, so you, exactly. let's hope we can't send it over microphones because that's what the conspiracy theorists will have <laughs> you. The, the one saying today that the, the Prime Minister was going to be doing his 5pm briefing and they're boarding up Parliament and no one can book a cinema ticket beyond Thursday. They don't release the listings to next week till <laughs> Wednesday, you fucking morons. I don't get involved in this stuff on Twitter, but I had to like just post pictures of like my local cinema, which posts things well in advance, saying I can book past the seventh of January to go to the cinema. And more importantly, but and again this we will get into, into semantics, isn't it? <laughs> get, get into PWG in a second. Like my favourite thing was like the conspiracy theory of, well, if we can't book the cinema past the seventh of January and Parliament's being boarded up and Boris has got a meeting at 5pm. The Queen's dead. Yeah. Because when the Queen dies, they're going to inform the press and fucking Odeon and go, sorry guys, might have a better <laughs> pay-per-view thing here than a... Cineworld tax, Cineworld. Keep on brand. Keep on oh, brand. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Cineworld. <laughs> well, exactly. No, because Cineworld wouldn't profiteer from pay-per-view funerals. 
yeah no Cineworld are great you should go to your local Cineworld and get your unlimited card I definitely don't work for Cineworld so we're doing but, but watch films watch films at the cinema it's good save the industry yeah fucking A please uh, well don't get COVID we shouldn't say that but you should support Cineworld by giving them your money do a lateral flow test before movies. going to the cinema then give Cineworld yes. your money. Have a lovely time with your friends responsibly. Then just for safety, go and isolate for 10 days before you go back and watch your next movie on your unlimited card. Just just buy 50 buckets of popcorn. That'll, that'll help. <laughs> okay, so PWG, Pro Wrestling Gorilla Basking is Glory. Uh, so Pro Wrestling Gorilla, what's your experience and history with uh, this lovely promotion? This is my first ever PWG show. I've heard a lot about it. I've seen clips of it because obviously I know like Cole and the Bucks have spent a lot of time in there and I knew of this venue I'd never seen it but I I heard of the the intimacy of essentially this the equivalent of a Brit Rest Village Hall yeah absolutely it's it's a very special place in that PWG started out in a bunch of kind of like different locations similar to this they've never had hmm, the most luxurious of (laughs) production values Uh, but there's this brilliant indie homemade punk rock feel to this promotion. Do you know about the creation of the promotion? All I know is that a certain nefarious character was involved in the early days, but obviously he was indeed is not anymore. But all I all I thought from reading the history of PWG is that this is where they started and they kept that mantra going. Whereas if you look at I would say the UK equivalent, which would be progress, start with this punk rock mentality. Then Jim Smallman sold his shares for the best part of 90 grand. And Briley just paid himself 60 grand in dividends in the last set of company accounts and then declaring himself solvent before sending it to the Tramir Rovers lads. Whereas PWG are punk rock through and through. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I've got, I think I've got this right. Like, um, this is. It's been a long time, so I'm just going to quickly Wikipedia, actually. <laughs> Let's just uh, bung that in. Okay, so in 2003, uh, PWG was formed in Southern California, and it was formed by, I think it was the PWG 6, they call them. So it's Disco Machine, Excalibur, uh, like AEW's Excalibur, Scott Lost, a, a bad person, uh, Super Dragon, Super Dragon, and Top Gun Tour, right? So these guys basically all came together, put their money together, and created this promotion. And basically, the the ethos, as you can see from this show, is let's put on matches. We're going to cut the entrances. We're going to cut the second the bell rings and the crowd reacts. And we're not going to do really anything else. (laughs) It's just, it's so fucking metal, man. It's just like, here's wrestling. You know, there's no bullshit. There's been barely any kind of like, backstage segments and beyond silly shit with you know colt cabana giving el generico a a lesson in english for example have you seen that clip i haven't no but it sounds already based on the participants i can tell it's gold i'm gonna put that clip at the end of this podcast so enjoy that um (laughs) i will also send you the link but over the the years basically pwg has gone through a few different ownerships like people kind of came in dropped out Uh, but their classic thing is the battle of los angeles which i'm assuming you've heard of bola 
exactly which is like a big um singles wrestler tournament every year and that's what it kind of became famous for me that they would bring a lot of the british guys over they'd bring across like the dragon gate guys like the aussie boys wrestlers seem to be quite prominent on this at this time yes uh, maybe not so much in the past um but yeah it was very much based on get the best indie wrestlers available and one of the great things i love about pwg is this um there's kind of these unique concepts to it beyond just we're not going to do any of the kind of flamboyant bullshit that comes along with pro wrestling that some people just detest or whatever there's this thing whereby they don't have a streaming service they never want it to be on tv from what seems to be the case at least they've always just done a dvd release schedule right and what this has allowed them to do this has allowed them to have people on their shows that have contracts with tna with roh with whoever like these these bigger kind of tv national syndicated pro wrestling companies um so you've had guys like you know tyler black the young box kevin owens kevin steen at the time el generico who's similar to a guy called Sami Zayn on wwe tv now very similar you know? build yeah exactly very similar lads the same kind of beard as well if the one's mexican it's weird but um, so they've always had like this astonishingly high level of wrestling and so it was always kind of a must watch for me um i always i started out with ring of honor i've talked about this a few times in the past i was always watching wwe up until a certain time where i was just like fuck this and I would always kind of like tune in bits with New Japan and, you know, AEW wasn't around. So for me, there was about a three, four year period where I would watch every single Pro Wrestling Guerrilla show because I love the ethos. And as you can tell from this show, they will pack a shit ton of wrestling into about two, maybe three hours sometimes. This was a lovely length for show. Again, two hours, 14 minutes, I think, sort of the runtime on it was. And as you said, yeah. what I liked about this being essentially as a, as a DVD only, you didn't get any faff. You didn't get any entrance music to an extent, which was lovely. And it was straight into it. I also like the theme with these intimate venues is, and as we'll get to throughout the card, because it happens on a relatively frequent basis, having the fans have to move their chairs to give way for the wrestlers <laughs> to get back in and then put it back in. And yeah. So, that's so on that note, can you can you describe the venue to me? Because I think we need to establish what it's like for people that don't know. So, so the first time, or what are you seeing? Uh, I'm seeing from the hard cam what is looking like just an a, a set of the crowd, which later then turned out to be also the entrance way to the dressing room. To the far <laughs> right of the hard cam is a bar where someone's standing with their arms folded, watching everything unfold, which is great, and. Yeah. Lots and lots of wrestling fans sat on fold-up steel chairs, and as they pan around, you've got essentially like the equivalent of a school stage, where they've got um, Excalibur and at some point Rick Knox doing commentary up there, and it's just basically round with people just sat on chairs, very very close to the ring, like they can reach the hardest part of the ring just by reaching out their arm from their chair without even having to lean. It's so intimate where they are. I noticed the ring seemed to have quite a low, um, a low frame. So you know, so like quite a lot of rings are, are higher up, so people are looking up to the action. This was very sure. much on the eye line. You know, sometimes when you see like the ring aprons coming up to like a wrestler's like top of their chest, where a lot of these it's come to their midsection. 
as they're, as they're going around. So it's quite a low, low set ring as well. Again, that's ease for transportation. Potentially, you have these lower rings if you've got a low ceiling because you don't want your wrestlers, if they're doing top rope spots or like avalanche suplexes, to put your feet <laughs> yeah. through the ceiling. So that has been a problem at this venue, that's for sure. <laughs> so that makes sense. <laughs> but what, what I got out of this the most, and similar to when I mentioned about sort of the fans just on these chairs that end up sort of standing up and putting back down, is that everyone is there for the promotion. Throughout the show, we're going to cheer the good guys. We're going to boo the bad guys. We do have a couple of generic independent tweets such as, both these guys, clap, clap, clap. But even in this atmosphere, it didn't annoy me as much as it does in other promotions. Because as you I said, did not hear a fight forever or a this is awesome chant once. And I'm so fucking happy to say that. Exactly. It, it's like you have a group of fans that were kind of almost the originators of these chants or like, you know, the first guys to use them. They definitely have used them in the past, but they're kind of, they're cool enough to be like, oh, let's just, just stop doing that. Right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I wish bigger crowds, like AEW crowds specifically would stop doing these fucking chants. But, but to go back to like the, the the venue layout as well, there's no banners, there's no promo posters on the wall. It's literally just like a cream white no lights, wall. no lights, nothing, <laughs> no entrance ramp. It's just a curtain where there happens to be a walk, a space you can walk into the hall. <laughs> and even Great. even the stage, I love it. even the stage, yeah. I didn't clock to obviously to make sure because I think like a lot of school stages you'd have like the wooden steps that you'd push up against the stage if people wanted to walk down. So they could fit so many people in. I didn't see any steps because obviously that would be your natural ring entrance coming in from the stage, from the curtain, walk down to the ring. But obviously how this, this is laid out, and you know we've played in enough dingy, shitty venues to know this, <laughs> there's, there's no room backstage for your gear, guys. You've got to leave it all in the corridor and hope no one nicks it. And that's what I yeah. imagine this venue is. Welcome to Sheppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuckers nicked my gear, the bastards. Anyway, sorry. Um, yes, no, you're absolutely right. I love how there's like there's no pretense of putting a tablecloth on the table. The commentary booth is shaped like a table because it's a fucking table, <laughs> like it's a running gag, you know. The uh, the it's just it seems like a giant fucking fire hazard. There's so many people crammed into this tiny little sweat box. It doesn't look like it has aircon. It has low ceilings. It's like everything that shouldn't work for a pro wrestling thing, but because the quality of wrestling is so high, it's so um it's it's like everything about it has excalibur's kind of personality imprinted onto it you know one thing i liked as well about this audience is a similar to what you said before about being the originators of the chance none of these guys or girls are in it for themselves there's only one fan i could you know some shows like you pick out the dickhead who's trying to be seen and trying to be of course be known there's only one fan who stuck out to me and only because he had the henchest arms for like a wrestling fan I'd ever seen. There was the lad yeah. in like the the black vest top with the, like the white text on it with the black baseball cap and his arms were just huge. And I was just like, fucking hell, he's hench. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, um, there's a certain thing with PWG because of where it's based and everything that it's kind of notorious for having celebrities in the crowd. Was that a celebrity so, I spotted with Hench Arms? <laughs> uh, no, no. I okay. didn't spot any celebs in this crowd uh, this time. 
But um, notoriously, like, Ronda Rousey would come to shows. Oh, really? And I think, like, movie stars and all sorts of random people over the years, like TV people and all sorts, uh, regularly have been spotted in these crowds. So if you do go back and watch other PWG shows, you can actually just scan the crowd and be like, isn't that the guy from that, that Marvel thing that we watched the other day? It's, it's actually quite a lot of fun. But what? Marvel film? Yeah, the Marine very... 2? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In the Navy. So uh, it's definitely the cool place to be, if you will. Yeah, and that's the impression I got from Johnny Hench. He was like, I'm buff and I'm on the hard cam. <laughs> I wonder if it was like deliberate staging. And I know it wouldn't be, but like you see these TV shows where they go, got to get all the hot people at the front. <laughs> and I wonder if Excalibur I just think it's like, California I think everyone's hot <laughs> yeah exactly no no fat people in California just living off kale just sweating out <laughs> well exactly if they're in this venue it's like coming at 14 stone leave at 11 yeah sure so the one thing I remember like hearing all the time about PWG was the one thing that really stuck with me is that the wrestlers have basically 100% freedom to whatever the fuck they want in their matches and like that must be so liberating to have that freedom in front of this sort of appreciative crowd. Exactly. And it's very, I mean, we'll probably get to it when we get to sort of our co-main with Keith Lee to go from this to being like, so we're going to call you Bearcat. (laughs) (laughs) This is called a six-sided ring. Lucha Lucha. (laughs) This is your new boss. She mashes pandas to create electricity. (laughs) (laughs) Or this is your new boss, because if the fans cheer, you've got to work harder, right? (laughs) Yeah, fucking A. Oh, God. I've had this thing in my head of just like, Vincent Mann hates black people. (laughs) 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 Like Kanye West did, you know? Because Vince fucking took the belt off Big E, like, you know, in the lead up to WrestleMania, the fucking. Vince hates New Day, and Brock Lesnar must be like, so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Actually, he's not. He's like, I've just been given another million pounds, so I've got to do Raw and SmackDown this week. Yeah. Oh, God, I'll quickly say it because it's so frustrating to me that, like, you know, last minute, Brock gets put in the match for the Big E's belt, and you're like, Nah, they're not good, were they? <laughs> of course they fucking were. It's just like, you, everyone's like, oh, it was such a great match. Look how great. No, it's fucking shit. Twelve <laughs> it's minutes. so stupid. Like, yeah, okay, they did some moves. Congratulations. Like, you can watch any wrestling show and watch Hoss guys doing Hoss moves. The, the bullshit they have fed Big E. The fucking terrible story they gave him. Like, oh, he's, he's going to win money in the bank. Okay. And then he's going to be the face champion. Okay, so who's going to be his big heel that he's going to create all this great feud with and will lead into WrestleMania? Roman's a heel. (laughs) He's got a belt. You're like, yeah, yeah, we know Vince. He's on the other show. What's Big E's, like, big opponent, his big, you know, obstacle he has to overcome? Roman's, we've made him heel. He's a bad guy. You're like, okay, Vince, what are you going to do with Big E? Um, Is Carly available? (laughs) So fucking annoying. Anyway, so there's my little rant. I, I, everyone on fucking Twitter being like, oh, it's such a great match. Look at Brock. Oh, it's so great to have Brock back. So we get to watch Brock and Roman again. Fucking brilliant. Who gives a shit, man? And, and, and this is the thing that kills me on this. So they could have had anything. They could have had Paul Heyman come out and distract Brock. Brock chases him off and then and Big E retains. 
The only thing I'm hoping... They from fucking a- blew the Lashley Brock thing as well. Fucking cunts. What a stupid way to do it. Tell a story. Sorry, go on. And what, and what they should... And the only thing is, from a Big E perspective, only because mm. he's been going on about it in pretty much every interview he's had, which means he must have already been fed this, because no one would want this match. He keeps on saying he wants like a big meat man match with Goldberg at Mania. So I wonder if it's a case of he would have dropped the belt anyway to have the big meaty chop match with Goldberg. Oh, I, I just... Yeah, like, I, I, there's, for Unless me, there's gonna no Lesnar. reason to treat Big E this badly. Like, it was such a good story. Like, watching this New Japan stuff this weekend, right? Yoshihashi, who, spoiler, by the way, do you mind me spoiling it? Oh, no, because I've, I've seen some of the, I've seen the, uh, the, the you know, um, was it, uh, Tekkers with the belts and they dropped them, didn't they? Yeah, Dangerous Techers dropped the belt to Yoshihashi and Goto, who are like home team slash chaos, whatever they're called nowadays. Um, but basically, Yoshihashi went 12 years jobbing <laughs> to then finally have this amazing run at the Tag League, to teaming up with Goto, his longtime friend, to finally beat Taichi, his uber heel, you know, and Zack Sabre Jr. to win the belts at Wrestle Kingdom, this great story. And inevitably, he's going to lose the belts like next week to some better tag team or whatever. But the fact that they told that story and gave you a year's worth of build to get to that moment to try and make you care. I still didn't give a shit if I'm totally honest because it's fucking, uh, yeah, whatever. But the point being that they they tried to tell a story. WWE are just like, we give Brock belts now. Bye-bye, Biggie. Well, like, <laughs> good, go good, good run. Well done. You were booked like shit into your run. We put the belt on you, then we booked you like shit. Like, yes, they gave him some good matches. They had the whole Lashley thing. I think that was a thing, right? Drew, maybe? Was that a thing? Well, you do realise what's going to happen. Brock's going to lose the belt to Lashley, and Vince is going to go, yeah, we gave him the belt back. Uh, Vince? (laughs) That? Oh... Yeah, 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 look, look, and now we've got him, we've we've written the wrong. He's the champion again as a two-time champion. Um, Vince? Hang on, what, what's MVP doing with him? Vince, that's <laughs> Lashley. Who? <laughs> We've only got one. What? <sighs> but, oh, quick, situations quick, are so cringe to me. Quick New Japan thing. Um, mm. Yo and Sho, these were the boys from Rapongi Vice, weren't they? Yes. Why, are they, why yes. have they got a match? They fell out ages ago. Oh, okay. um, this subsection of the Bullet Club, the fucking house of douchebags or whatever like it just does not work for me but um i'm trying to get this right show show is like forcing that heel personality so much yeah it's, it's it just doesn't seem like him at all he seems like a very quiet respectful do the hard work type wrestler i don't know why they had to change his character so much to fit in with the goth club or whatever they're called nowadays you know who is a hard-working wrestler tyler bateman hmm yeah so pwg so no bullshit opening match graphic that shows a little bit of each person's entrance about three seconds worth no music or anything for the entrances we just get this kind of like overlay uh for the first of seven singles matches on this card no tag no trios nothing just seven singles matches i fucking love it did you like the attempted transition to bring it back in (laughs) that's fine pro transition Tyler Bateman versus Uptown Andy Brown, which is a lovely rhyming bit. <laughs> Don't know, I love it. So um, tonight we've got commentary. We've got Excalibur, and uh, joining him for most of it is Rick Knox as well, like AEW referee Rick Knox. He does disappear quite a lot through this show, though. 
Rick Knox. So there were times where I was like, I, the, the thing with Excalibur and Rick Knox, and what was really nice, again, after, I, I don't know if it's because we spent 14 weeks with Cole, JBL, and King, but having Excalibur and Rick Knox here was really nice to hear, but their voices are quite similar to me. So I couldn't, at times, distinguish between if it was just Excalibur by himself during certain matches, or if Rick Knox was either contributing little or was the same as Excalibur. Mm. So there is an explanation for this. Um, firstly, an out-of-tune violin would sound better than JBL, Cole, and King <laughs> for two fucking hours. Um, but um, So PWG generally don't have a commentary team, okay? They have very ECW style. They have Excalibur, okay? This is always the deal. And so when PWG first started, how they would do the commentary is they'd record the shows and they'd record the commentary in post. So it would be Excalibur with probably a disco machine and Top Gun Tour or something. And they would basically do, every time someone does an arm drag, they would take a shot. <laughs> so, the commentary was fucking hilarious. Like It was just them shitting on the wrestling. There's this great moment that's kind of infamous with PWG where someone bounces off the middle of the bottom rope and then drops an elbow like a springboard off the bottom rope. And Excalibur's call was, he shocked the world! <laughs> it's genuinely amazing so what this evolved into is they started to do live commentary this like you know 10 years ago at this point um but they would have a rotation of people on commentary so you would have excalibur with chris hero excalibur with colt cabana excalibur with rick knox with chuck taylor with whoever just like really kevin steen kevin steen excalibur some of the funniest commentary you will ever fucking hear but it was like watching an amazing wrestling match with two guys who love wrestling who were just doing like a stand-up comedy routine on commentary. <laughs> it was brilliant. And so I kind of missed that for this show. I was hoping this is one of the things you would get to experience. But really this show, it's it's just Excalibur. And then Rick Knox is kind of there as well. And the com their voices are quite similar. And the commentary is quite low in the audio mix as well. So a lot of the times I'm kind of not really listening to what they're saying, which is... Very, very different from what I experienced PWG from years past. It's great you said that because one of my notes that I wrote down, the question to ask was, it looks like this commentary isn't live because there's lots of time that Excalibur's just watching and then all of a sudden he's talking. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that? Uh, this, this was live, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't know whether, like, there's been times with old PWG shows where one of the cameras has gone out of sync and so they're just oh, like, okay. oh, fuck it. I just left it. <laughs> so like, you know, the guys are doing the spots and then you hear the audio and Excalibur calling them three seconds later. Like, it's proper punk rock, man. But in, in the in the good way, not the um, <clears throat> don't be a dick way, you know? Well, new owners now, so it's all fine. They're calling all the uh, yeah, yeah. Club Progress members. So hopefully um, with these boys in charge and um, oh, I can't remember, uh, Lee McAteer. I think it's going to be in good hands going forward. Fingers crossed, eh? So, uh, Andy Brown's PWG debut, immediate chance for him, seems to be a South Cal local. Um, we've got, yeah, we've got the booth, commentary booth shaped like a table. Did you get that pun, that joke? Not a pun. I liked it. <laughs> good. It, it's a thing <laughs> they say every single show, so anyway. Uh, Excalibur tells us that both these are Southern California lads. Uh, my first time seeing either guy. How about you? Yeah, I'd not seen any of these before. Doing further research, like it seems that Bateman's in a tag at this time with Brody King, who I obviously have heard of. Um, 
But again, it's just nice, again, showing you of something which has this level of fandom to showcase these guys. Again, if it's their like PWG debuts to give two people with no real um, experience in this, this field, in this arena, a chance. I mean, I, I said, like, Bateman's tagged with Brody King, so he's obviously got some something about him. But um, as I said, Andy Brown, he, again, a million times better than I could ever be in a ring, but he's just his presentation mm-hmm. wasn't one of a, outside of a generic wrestler for me. Sure. So PWG are kind of infamous for taking guys, specifically in their local area, but also across oceans and whatever from other countries and such and obviously the US and Mexico and California and Canada and stuff and basically giving them 15 minute matches which is what they did here like you know they're just like we think these two guys have got potential here's 15 minutes go find out what you can do and then like this leads to the Young Bucks (laughs) and this leads to Seth Rollins and this leads to Kevin Steen and people like that that got these opportunities at PWG doesn't always work out you know like um What's the guy with the um to the moon gimmick in NXT? To the moon. Oh, um, what was Trevor Lee? Now yeah, uh, he's, he's a, one of these guys that started on these PWG undercards and just suddenly became this fucking amazing wrestler. You know, ended up buggering off to WWE or whatever. So it, it always seems like this rotation. Like I know other companies do this as well, but they won't necessarily give them fifteen minutes and like no instruction. You know, they're just like go have fun, <laughs> which is that's what this seems to be. Yeah, the main thing. So if this, if this was, for example, like a standard indie show, Andy Brown would have been called up to basically be like, right, go out there and sell for our guy for five, six minutes and uh, we'll exactly. see how you get on. Yeah, but that's just really not how PWG do business at all. It's always his decent amount of time, no entrances on the DVD or anything, that bullshit. Just, just, you know, which is how a lot of people tell their story, you know, their entrances and their characters and stuff but this company just doesn't operate that way it's just very very different and it's really unique and i, I really appreciate that about it one thing i would say about both these wrestlers and again i don't know if this is something to do with uh, an element of young boy mentality as well if they're mm-hmm. new to new to the scene or something like that but they certainly didn't distinguish themselves with with the ring at all like hands the, the action in the ring both these guys can wrestle they can they sure. can they can go but if you put these two guys in a lineup of other wrestlers, unless I watch them more frequently, I wouldn't be able to pick them out of a lineup. And now, yeah, if you showed me, a, if you sent me a picture and it said, "Which one is this? Is this Bateman or is this Brown?" I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But the in ring action, especially for, as you said, for two guys given the opportunity at their like their local big promotion to have fifteen minutes. Really, really good opener. Really set the tone for what we were going to see for the rest of the show. Yeah. So um, basically, big stiff forearms to start, and we're off. Um, I haven't written loads of like spot notes because you should just go watch PWG. It's really, really fucking great if you haven't, lovely listener. But um, uptown Andy Brown gets chance uh, to the uptown funk. So <laughs> uptown Andy Brown. So uptown Andy Brown, which made me laugh. So like original chance rather than just like Dorothy, Dorothy, fight forever. It's like come on, lads be a bit creative you know um which was nice man i thought it was fun uh lots and lots and lots of very stiff strong style strikes really really fun 
Uh, there was a couple of close falls as the crowd are just having fun joining in with the notion of Bateman eating Andy Brown's dick, which was really funny. <laughs> um, and the finish comes with an Okada jumping tombstone pile driver by Bateman, which, you know, you do Okada spots, you're over with me for the one, two, three. And the winner is Tyler Bateman. <laughs> and uh, Bateman um, doing a spinning tombstone in the opener. <laughs> It's yeah, like it's great. Yeah. It? Welcome to this is what happens when you get to do all you like. But again, like some of the other spots, like Brown dodging the tornado DDT, lunging back elbow, another really, really scary looking brain buster. You know, both yeah. really, really safe. Like when Brown got his desperation jumping knee to get like elbows from Bateman near the end of it. Really, really nice build. And again, for two guys who are given their opportunity and they've got 15 minutes. Again, not knowing much about their careers, but I assume they'd still sort of done these sort of matches as well. The, the pacing of their 15 minutes to build up, because it was quite frenetic from the get-go, you know. Yeah. Like, like having like Andy Brown doing cartwheels to the floor and then super-kicking Bateman. It's like stuff like that was really, really smart. Really stiff work, really, really nice. And as I said, a really enjoyable opener. And I think we said this already on the pod. After going for 14 weeks of dross of Raw from 2014, just to watch two really good wrestlers go out and wrestle and have fun, it, it's it's great. It's not one of those things where people go, go oh, this is a must-see must match. But if you were in attendance and watched this, you're like, this is a really great start to show. And I was loving it. This is like first match of PWG. I'm invested. It's a two-hour, two 15-minute show, and I've loved the first 15 minutes of it. It's great. Absolutely, man. Um, I have one note, literally just like 15 minute match, didn't realize it, felt like five. And Couldn't that's how you know compliment. it's perfect. If you Absolutely. aren't aware of the time, like yep. like we had with the main event today in Wrestle Kingdom day one, that main event went over half an hour, didn't realize it'd been half an hour. I was having a lovely time. Yeah, absolutely. So if you can hear that beeping in the background, that's my dishwasher, which I forgot to turn off again. <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, the question is: Have you already have you already planned your new dishwasher for your new home? Uh, we're keeping this one. Oh, excellent! This, this one's quite new, and it's the right color scheme for our new kitchen. <laughs> so there we go. But uh, yeah, I'll be moving house relatively soon. I'll actually have an office where it'll be like you know, sound insulated a little bit, rather than my big open plan house I currently have. So oh, I cannot oh, wait to change, come and uh, when we when we can once we're all COVID free to sit in your office and shout loudly about wrestling. Let's go. So next up, we've got Ray Horace versus Jake Atlas. Again, these are two guys I'm fairly unfamiliar with. Uh, names I've seen on cards. Definitely think I've seen them both wrestle before. But, you know, I've got an awful memory, so <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure. How about yourself? I've seen both more familiar with Jake Atlas's uh, ring work through his stuff on some of the independents, plus his run on 205 Live. Um, in WWE but Jake Atlas and Ray Horace again you like names who back at this receiver show are now much bigger names in in the industry now I, mean, I think like Jake Atlas made his um, AW um, dark debut last week possibly as well okay. so he again it's those PWG connections through the Bucks and through Excalibur and people like that who they must have worked with and been on shows with that's Absolutely. really helping get them these opportunities to go on to things like Dark and Dark Elevation. Yeah, if we're using PWG as a feeder promotion for AW, like, yeah, please. That sounds absolutely great. Um, so there's an interesting point here. As uh, AAA fans, <laughs> the ref gets booed. 
And I was like, oh, do we have a Rudo ref? But it doesn't really come into play as much. It's just a re- seems like a referee the fans just hate, <laughs> which is kind of lovely and Brit rest, you know? Didn't they make reference to some sort of screw finish? In, in, uh, in they might type. have again i wasn't really listening to the yeah. commentary because it's kind of blended into the background so a lot of it i kind of missed out on to be honest so so i think i think I that know, that maybe. was it but as you said like two guys who i've not had much experience with but again fantastic fantastic match did you catch the the very first thing they did in this match which just made me go that is the coolest thing i've ever seen wasn't the Callisto spot was it <laughs> no so there's kind of Mexican and uh, Mexican roots in this match with Ray Horace and what's his name? Jake Atlas. So these two are obviously going to start to do a bit of Lucha, a bit of American Indie. So the very first thing they did was they locked up on their right arm and then they immediately backed off and locked up on their left arm. And I was like, oh, that's so fucking cool doing an American lockup. And then a Lucha lockup to immediately go, this is the story we're telling. I was like, oh, that's so subtle. Just like, oh, that little kind of artistic value in pro wrestling just makes my heart melt, man. It's, it's an art form. It's beautiful. Agreed. And, and again, all down to having that creative control over your, you've got 15 minutes. Do what you want. Yeah. It's like, who thinks to do that? That's such a smart thing. <laughs> I couldn't get over it, man. I was like, oh, they did a normal lockup. And then they kind of backed off and went, did a lucha lockup. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then he whips them against the ropes. Flip-de-doos, handspring, running runners. It's time to fucking lucha, bro. Let's go. So much fun. Beautiful. Uh, again, and as you said, it's a completely different match to the match they had previous. So even though they've got control, they've been sensible in their movesets. They've been sensible in their locker. And it's a case of, right, here's the style of match we're doing. What are you doing? We're doing this. Yeah, absolutely, man. So about three minutes into this match, these two are just killing it. Like, so much fun. Uh, Ray Horace does this huge dive to the corner, to the outside, gets the first PWG chant of the night. Um, I like how this chant is reserved for big, crazy moments. Like, it's... I've been to one live PWG show, which was uh, the European Vacation Tour they did. Okay. I think I've told you my story about Brian Danielson and embarrassing myself. Oh, yes. Zebra kid throwing Austin Aries at me. <laughs> Standard. It was, it was a lovely time. Yeah, exactly. I won't tell those stories again. If you don't know, you should listen to the rest of the pods. Uh, we've got 120 something of them now. So, yeah, it's a lot to listen to. <laughs> Plus bonus and merch. Uh, but more importantly, buy our merch. Amazon.co.uk. We've got on our uh, new gen t shirt. Yeah, also, if you like New Japan Pro Wrestling, we might have a Los Ingobernables type t shirt coming up in the next. Hopefully now. <laughs> so, <laughs> go to either of our social media. So Twitter is at World of Rest Pod or just go to worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. And it's got all the links to all the merch and stuff. They're from Amazon. You can get it on Prime and get it delivered for free. It's, it's Actually, I think you get it delivered for free no matter what because we just put the price up and was like, well, it's better that we make a bit more money yeah. and we can get free postage. <laughs> so there we go. Oh, Rather yeah, than having but- people pay the £3.99 for postage and just giving it to Amazon, I'm like, we'll get free postage and we'll just take that extra bit of cash, right? Yeah, yeah buy our stuff because Rich has got um, Warhammer he needs to buy. I fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> Paints are expensive, guys. They are. I've got a big. I've got a big house as well. Like you know. Anyway, so um, I, I've got this 
I've got written like a paragraph here. Let me just read it out and just make sure see what it says. So Atlas lands a double jump up the ropes, uh, sideways moonsault to the outside. That is the uh, double jump insane. spaceman, if you will. Oh my god, what a what a spot! And then it gets a "You still suck" chant <laughs> from the crowd, and I was like, I love the fans playing along, booing the guy, even though he's doing amazing spots. Uh, it's just lovely. It's this element of you can enjoy the wrestling and still boo the heel. Like, it's just so much better when everyone plays along or they're in on the joke, you know? Not some stupid prick in the third row holding up his sign, shitting on the baby face, like, you know? <laughs> Every AEW show for the last, like, three months, you know? Well, you know, fans will be fans. Mm. <sighs> I still want this campaign of banned signs of wrestling again, because fucking hell, man. That the prick who turns up the AW show with that little yellow cutout square, like connecting fans to wrestling. Oh, I like, I like wrestling. Therefore, you should be my friend because I've got a yellow sign that I bring to every single fucking AW show and just hold it up behind the ring, you stupid cunt. I've been watching wrestling since the shield broke up. I'm very knowledgeable. <sighs> connecting people through wrestling. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a sign that Joey Ryan has. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not connected anymore uh, <laughs> plenty of ju- one of the biggest I love about this show as well is it's a very adult based crowd but there is one lovely young lady in the front row who we will get to later it must be what 12 almost oh yeah <laughs> for the Keith Lee match yeah <laughs> yeah it's so funny just this one young kid and this very adult beer chugging jugs of beer being passed around the bars on display on the camera you know type show it adds to this brilliant kind of indie promotion feel you know i don't know it's great fun uh, anyway so atlas goes after the mask big booze lovely luchiness uh match breaks down into more of the american style slow build you know the heat um the heel getting heat all that sort of stuff which i was like okay so we went lucha gone into the more indie style well, and also gets, we're, like, we're trying to demask Horus as well as part of it. Yep, absolutely. But it does get a little spots for spots sake at points, but it, the effort is kind of undeniable, I would say. Just reading through my notes and I've accidentally written Pesto Rana. <laughs> Rana Pescado Ooh, Pesto Rana. Rana. <laughs> Pesto Rana. <laughs> What's that new Italian character in NXT? I did a Pesto Rama. <laughs> I'm Tony D'Angelo. The Pesto Rana. Oh, my kid is taken to saying penne <laughs> quite regularly. So I'm like, no, spirali is better. She's like, penne. And I'm AJ like, no, Styles, spirali. AJ, AJ Styles with a penne kick. <laughs> oh, it's great fun. Um, <laughs> one of the other thing I was thinking while I was watching this match was it must be so liberating and kind of so fun as a pro wrestler to be able to kind of experiment with the match format like this? Yeah, I mean, that I'm not going to speak on sort of my, my so-called limited experience of match type because, again, it's my, my matches have never been anything other than character-based stuff. So it's always sure. been, like, shenanigans and, and, and shithousery, basically. But Yeah, like, shine, heat, you know. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> I'm not going to give it all away, obviously. But like, <laughs> wrestling by numbers with gimmick yeah. and shithousery that's pretty much nothing nothing wrong with that yeah big fan very big fan but this like for example like jake atlas being able to do some of the lucha stuff with with ray horus and ray horus getting to do sort of the american style stuff that 
as you said, to be able to go out there and just go, we wouldn't be able to work this style anywhere else. And we're just going to run with it because these are appreciative wrestling fans who, I mean, like, like you picked up on the left arm, the right arm lockup at the start of the match. It's those little things. This is art form. This isn't sports entertainment. This is athletic art. And this is yeah, what they're absolutely. trying to portray literally on their fictional, well, their literal canvas. It's like this kind of freedom of expression wrestling, you know? It's great fun, man. Isn't this so much more fun to discuss than fucking hell, Stephanie's good at promos. <laughs> fucking hell, Bam Bam goes here. <laughs> Isn't it nice to get passionate about wrestling go, again? Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's very weird in that I watch a lot of... Like if we were talking about the New Japan show, which will be next week, tune into that podcast. I'm not about to shit on it, definitely. Uh, it's like, there's only so many ways I can say, yep, they beat the shit out of each other. It was really fun. The thing with this, this PWG show is it definitely has... Um, a couple of similar elements that go through almost every match about to talk about that but every, everything has like a uniqueness to it, it has a unique step it has uh, them trying something else and experimenting as we're talking about which is amazingly fun to discuss like the the format of pro wrestling is so kind of set in stone like new japan do wrestling this way wwe do wrestling this way like even AEW have a this is how we want wrestling to be and it's it's a bit more freedom based, but like Lucha is very much has its tropes, you know. Like I like that PWG kind of takes all those influences on board and never kind of restricts people and go, no, 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 we need it to be exactly like this. I think that's that's a lot of fun. It's lovely to talk about. Yeah, definitely. And and as I said from a from hopefully from a listener perspective of this podcast, it's nice to hear us excited about stuff. <laughs> sure. So um so the bit that happens a lot on this show, which happens in this match, and it is broken up, we'll talk about that soon, is we get to the point where these guys have kind of done so much that they both kind of break down onto one knee, throwing the kind of last of what they have at each other, you know, throwing a strike and like, oh, oh, I'm so tired. And the other guy throws a strike and like, oh, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> you know, And it's, 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 it's great because it pops the crowd. But when you do this, five six times out of a seven match card it's like we don't always have to have this spot in the middle of the match lads you know this goes back to what we said um earlier about communication amongst the talent you know i i remember one of the main things that sort of coach wicked was very adamant for um in matches on his shows would be like they'd go through like their match the wrestlers go through their match with him and again he'd give them the freedom to do it it's like here's what i want the outcome to be here's what i want you to try and get over with with the crowd and I remember there was a time where, oh, I can't remember who it was, but someone wanted to do like a dive to the outside. And he was like, no, because Meathead's doing the dives. Meathead does the dives. If you do this early in the card, it's going to spoil the spot what they're doing in the main. So you're going to have to think of something completely different to do. So it's having that, whilst they have the freedom to come up with their matches and go over the ideas, it's making sure that whilst you can have a level of consistency across the card, you don't see the same big spots in every match to it. And as you said, there seems to be this thing in this show where we have this, essentially the classic Bouye spot across a majority of these matches near the end, Mm. the final third. Yeah, absolutely. um, I'm almost okay with it in that I would prefer them to have this repetition of like this center section spot or whatever 
to give you those moments of like you know the left arm lock up the right arm lock up for example because i don't think you would get it if you were restricted that much almost but like for this particular company i'm talking about um, in that but i do i do understand that there is definitely um if, if every company was doing this and every match was like this it would become incredibly tedious and i guess that could be some of the problem with pwg is that you know on a, on a real plain devil's advocate kind of tip or whatever like i definitely remember you can get burnt out watching these pwg shows in that if you watch three or four over a couple of weeks you're like okay cool awesome another singles match um some really fun lucha spots some big crazy spots which are very impressive and always kind of pop me as well generally love the crowd love the venue love the commentary but you know if again five of these matches all have this kind of oh the booyé spot in the middle and if two of them are heels or two of them are faces it's become a bit kind of repetitious sometimes like i like a bit more character in my wrestling but it's a it's a nice it's a nice change it's like having a really beautiful side appetizer with your steak you know like you like your meat, meat and potatoes or whatever but it's nice to like try some like i don't know garlic tilted asparagus at some point you know <laughs> tilted <laughs> wait a second you've been to my house you've seen what what <laughs> yeah yeah it's like that that's really really fun but if you ate like two tons of asparagus you'd be like oh that feels so good <laughs> you know we would smell really bad <laughs> sure sure anyway so uh we the match finishes with a super spinny tornado ddt which is beautifully popped up by jake atlas to assist like oh really cool seeing these guys work together to do this spot it looks incredible man wonderful satellite ddt absolutely beautiful and as you said like atlas plays its part to perfection like almost rvd levels of taking a dvd dvd a ddt (laughs) ddt so the one two three and the winner is ray horace again another really really fun match lots of high flying spots um ray horace again played his role as the face you know we had the classic 619 from atlas what a heel in there as well and also everyone loves seeing a, a springing an ace crusher so that was all good in here but Again, as it's the first Bouye spot of the night, great. But my my thought again as a jaded wrestling fan is mm-hmm. we've had this spot early. So what are the other wrestlers going to do to build on that for their sort of go-home spots, essentially? Yeah, absolutely, man. Sorry, I'm being distracted by my lovely missus. Good night. I love you lots. Sleep tight. We're isolating still, kind of. We're in the same room, but we're not, like, engaging. So I haven't been able to hug my missus for, like, a week. Oh, sounds like perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, that, uh, that's, that, uh, that, that, I think that's the killer thing, isn't it? Right. Especially... Shut up and say goodnight to my missus. What do you, what do you want? <laughs> I'm not cutting this, by the way. Hello. <laughs> what are we doing? Go on. Oh, no, I was just saying, that, that must be the worst thing about it like going back to like covid misery and then obviously with your daughter being ill as well it's the case of keeping as much contact as you can whilst also being very mindful that if you all come down with it it's going to be a nightmare for everyone to try and survive those 10 days so it's a yeah not a not a fun situation not being able to have that (laughs) level of contact the funniest bit about it is that like my mom like you know uh, my mum <laughs> knows that we live in a small two-bed terraced house, right? With an open-plan lounge, kitchen, diner. It's all one big room, essentially. And she keeps going to me, oh, so you are you isolating from Nandy and Millie? And I'm like, 
no, because <laughs> we're all in the same fucking house. And she keeps calling me every day and going, oh, how's Nandy? And I'm like, yeah, pretty much the same as yesterday. And she's like, oh, so so how's her breathing? And I'm like, yep, yeah, pretty much the same as yesterday. It's like, oh, okay, is she eating food? And I'm like, yes, pretty much the same as yesterday. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's nice for people to care. But at the same time, like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, um... So next up, Robbie Eagles versus Whoa. Bandido. And I'm like, oh, if these two gel, holy shit, this should be nuts. Because I'm a big fan of both of these lads. Bandido, brilliant. Really much enjoyed his like run in Ring of Honor as well as their like, big belt holder. Robbie yep. Eagles can do no wrong in my eyes. Robbie Eagles with a Bandido face covering. <laughs> mm, indeed, yeah. The, the bandit kind of like, you know. Uh, what do you call it? Bandana across the face and such. Like lovely little kind of like, oh, what's going to happen here? Robbie Eagles uh, COVID discovered... secure before COVID was even a thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, I didn't discover Bandido in ROH. I discovered Bandido in PWG. He oh, was okay. here first. Yeah. Because who was it? I discovered... um, who was it? Was it Bandido and Flamita who were the ones that were touted amongst WWE and they signed exclusive of ROH a couple oh, of years ago? Don't know. I know Bandido was obviously exclusive with ROH, he's on the contract, etc. with champion, etc. etc. But um Was yeah, he at all in? Know, honest, mate. Was Bandido at all in? Uh yes, he was in the tag with Was it with Flamita? Rey Mysterio. Booyaka, I think it was, against the Young Bucks, I wanna say. Mm, young Bucks. Was that the match? Mm. Not sure. But anyway. But yeah, two guys who I very, very, very much like. This is going to be tasty, I thought, when I saw this graphic come up with the uh small bit of a uh, clutch-esque intro music over the uh the dvd intro it is quite clutch i didn't know you were a clutch fan oh we can bond over clutch everybody <laughs> loves promoter what a track that's good so um uh obviously there's an australian wrestler in the ring so someone has to go oh the oh the oh the and i'm like oh not again <laughs> naturally through my uh, my employer i am a big fan of these southern hemisphere wrestlers <laughs> Oh, I have no problem with them at all. Like, it's just the chant. I, just, I don't see why. Like, it's like, you know, a British guy walks in the ring. England! England! I don't know. I just find it a bit weird. I, it's because I have absolutely zero national pride whatsoever. And why would you? <laughs> yeah, fair point. Well, you do. You have, you, have, you have Welsh pride when it comes to rugby, which is a proper pride. That's more of like a sports team allegiance. I'm pretty sure. And again, tell... Tell me if I'm wrong as an outsider who does not have any sort of Welsh heritage. I'm pretty sure Welsh rugby is national pride, is it not? Mm. A fair point, good sir. Do you know one of my one of my favourite moments? This is going to sound so stupid. Was at a museum in Wales. I walked past two of the groundskeeper guys who were like really old boys, like they're flat caps and they're like plaid or whatever. And they were like leaning up against the fence as I walked past them, wearing a Welsh rugby shirt, and they were talking about Welsh rugby. I just heard this phrase, which made me just be like, I love Welsh people. And he was like talking about the Welsh kicker and being like, oh, he's like the best kicker in the world. He's going to get us a million points. That fucking French lad can't kick for toffee. <laughs> just like, what does that mean? <laughs> Such a lovely phrase. He can't kick for toffee. So like, even if you offered him toffee, he still wouldn't kick it. And you're like, toffee is that great. <laughs> I was like the fact you discussed essentially my view. I was less the rugby shirt. My general like attendance when I used to be an accountant working at the ploughing matches 
at the like the farming festivals. Oh yeah, like, sure. Everyone loves a plowing match, mate. That's when you know you've made it to the elite. Are you going to the plowing match this year? Yep. Because there's really good food there. <laughs> Did you say you own a Leicester rugby shirt? Oh god, no, I don't understand rugby. Okay, I was gonna like tear you apart. But <laughs> okay, let's go. So, uh, bandido selling is top banana, mate. Holy shit, this guy can sell. He's really, I mean, he's really good at wrestling. His bandido, yeah, like, he's exceptional. And I like for that a lucha guy, over... especially like lucha guys don't sell and shit. This guy is incredible. Which is why he was so important. That's why why it's important for the US promotions to try and get him i mean all i'm saying and again i don't want to vince mcmahon stereotype this but get him in at some point if you need to into aw to have feuds with people like andrade get him to feud with people like penta or fenix and just watch sure, him the styles would gel absolutely yeah. step up superman planchet in this fucking match what a treat bro Bro, so good, man. I love that they start the match with a Mexican standoff, and I'm like, oh, it's really cool. <laughs> Guns are dawn. It's just everything oh, about this so match was so good, captivating. And like, like you said before about like not taking many spot notes because it was just nice to watch it. Yeah. Had I had I had to write down the spots for this, I wouldn't have watched half the match, and I'd have missed half the spots. I've got a few bits down. Um. For, for where it is, mainly because obviously we've got Chaos Theory in this match as well. Was there a Chaos, Chaos Theory? theory in, Chaos Theory down. into a dragon suplex. Oh, that's badass. <laughs> so there's a couple of moments of like, oh no, they're going to die, where Robbie almost face plants on a tope over the top. Bandido just about saves him. Proper murder. They power bombed him onto the post. And you're like, <laughs> that's fucking funny. Like, you know, Robbie's going like headfirst to the concrete and Bandido's like, whoop, just kind of catches him out of midair. But then there's a brilliant bit directly afterwards where Bandido almost face plants on a tope to Robbie, but he just about manages to be saved by Robbie catching him. And then, holy shit, Bandido almost lance arches like straight into a dive on the outside. And you're like, oh, he's going to die. But like these guys are inches away from fucking catastrophe at times. Margin for error here is pushed very yeah. much. Brilliant to they watch. Dangerous as hell. Yeah, it really is. Sorry, I'm just having a bit of a drink of coffee. Like the COVID's catching up with me. But well, while, while you drink your coffee, I mean, some of the... Like, so you got that. We get the step-up Superman plancher. Double knees in corner. Chaos theory into a dragon suplex. Which, oh, this is the suplex. This yeah, is, of course it's yeah. a chaos theory. I didn't even realize because I saw the roll through and obviously into the dragon suplex where, he, where Bandido almost kills Robbie. Robbie E <laughs> performs his brutal. best run DMC breakdance move across the canvas. So I don't know quite what happened. I wonder whether you could work it out because to me it looked like Bandido goes to flip him all the way onto his front. And Robbie thinks he's taking it like, you know, how um, Kenny Omega does it where he just drops him on his shoulders almost. So Robbie tucks his chin, but gets fully flipped, the 180. So it's like his head gets trapped under his body, like proper Hayabusa style. He slides on his head, like the carpet burn on the top of Robbie Eagle's head. And again, if you go and follow our Twitter, at World of Rest Pod, because Rich has posted a gif of it up there, of, of this move. Yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> it was incredible, both dangerous, 
jaw-dropping, like, our description of this is not doing it justice of how ridiculous this was and how Robbie Eagles managed to, like, get up at two after this. Yeah. Um, I can't scream it because, you know, my kid's sleeping and she's ill, but Dragon Suplex Dangerous! Because <laughs> it was proper scary. Um, this cues the mayhem rush to the end sequence. Plenty of near falls, like everything's so unique and it looks so insane. Like these two are incredible together. Everyone gets a close look at these two kind of open hand chopping the shit out of each other. You know, they start doing it in the ring. They bail to one side of the ring, do it right in front of the fans then get back in the ring and go to the other side and do the same thing in front of that set of fans. It's it's very crowd-pleasing stuff here. Yeah, this leads into like Poison Rana from Bandido, reverse Poison Rana from Eagles. Everyone's dead. Then... <laughs> Robbie they Eagles do the, they breaks down to their knees chopping each other by the way just oh. to throw it out there they do that spot in this match as well the bouillet but you know it's what it is Eagles gets Bandido up on for the super duper super trooper Frankenstein a Bandido still kicks out of the super duper for super duper fall Bro, away moonsault top like oh it's <laughs> terrifying oh god like fall, fall away moonsault with Robbie Eagles preventing near certain demise and then mm. Bandido with like the stunt driver from the top, sorry, stunt rider driver, stunt driver. God, terrible I literally writer. have written, "What the fuck did I just see off the top?" Because it's insane. I can't even describe stunt it. Stunt rider driver. And again, my god, fifteen-minute match. So everyone so far has had the same amount, and that obviously Dude. Bandido gets the win after again about fifteen minutes after this dangerous-looking top rope move. That thing when they do the big spot off the top after this crazy match of high spots and the crowd are literally just like one two three you know everyone's counting along it's such a magical thing like that pure artistic value of pro wrestling where everyone's in on it like we know this is the finish this is the moment we all count along you know, Excalibur even drops an unbelievable yes. proper Vince McMahon style. Oh, it's so good. Real advert for Styles Make Fights. Because, like, Robbie yeah. Eagles played a significant part in how good this match was as well. That's not taken away from how exceptional Bandido is. But Robbie Eagles was a, a phenomenal dance partner to be able to bring out this. And the IQ and the timing that they had throughout this whole, whole match the the inches, well, millimeters from death in some of these things to the level of crispness that they had as well throughout. It was both masterful wrestling and Jesus Christ, that was dangerous. Absolutely, Robbie Eagles is one of those guys that it took me a while to kind of um, for him to get over with me. I was like, yeah, he's a good junior type wrestler, you know. If we're talking New Japan days, because obviously that's where he is now. Um, but it, it definitely took. I would say six months to a year for me to really be like, okay, this guy's got something special. But looking back to this in 2018, like fucking hell, man. I think if I this had been my introduction to him, I would have just been like, this is the guy. This guy's got it, man. He's so special. Yeah. I'd, I'd say if you're going to watch any match on the show, go and get the DVD. Watch this match. Sure. Uh, the winner is Bandido, by the way. What a guy. Um, has to be AEW bound as far as I'm concerned. But where would he Still fit in? ROH this is the problem with AEW. Yeah, at sure. There's there's no room for any of these top level talent. There needs to be a wow. new promotion set up to go for a third. Or Ring of Honor needs to basically 
keep a core few talent to run the essentially Ring of Honor indie. I'm going to be brutally honest here with all the things that's happened this week with <laughs> Tony Khan and Twitter. There's, there's maybe 30, maybe 40 guys I think I would cut from the AW roster at this point. Oh, uh, it's it's two. It's two full. I mean, Luther and Serpentico, I would, at a drop of a hat, have Bandido and Flamita sure. in there in place of those two. Hands down. I think there's plenty of people on that roster that could use some time on the indies working. And I, don't get me wrong, I want everyone to have a job. I want everyone to make good money. I'm very happy for the people that are employed and decently in pro wrestling. There's no problem with that whatsoever. So purely in a creative aspect, there's a lot of incredibly talented people all kind of like fitting through one little funnel at the moment. And what I don't want to see happen is them spread out into multiple shows with multiple belts and all this sort of bullshit like WWE ended up doing and then had to kind of crop it, crop it all out and everything. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird place to be, man. But one person who does need to go to AEW to have that national stage who could make a huge difference to them is in our next match. Adam Brooks. Oh, hero Wait. of the <laughs> night tax. <laughs> the name of the show alone. The future of WWE. The man who gave me the best... His entrance gave me the best ever Brock Lesnar reaction I've ever seen in a Royal Rumble. Fuck yeah. The Rumble, oh, yeah. fuck! Big boy! <laughs> <laughs> so, immediately as the pop for Bandido and Eagles has happened, the crowd are going insane off this one, two, three. It immediately fades down, immediately shows the max, ma- match card for the next match. And you're just like, this show, the pacing is incredible. Like, we're 45 minutes in now. This is almost halfway through the show. Feels like we just got started. It's brilliantly fun. Really, really good. And as you said, the fact that you've got the namesake of the show, I would assume, uh, I don't know if this is true. Uh, again, I'm just speculating. Do PWG do intermissions? Yeah, I imagine so. You know, so I'd go that show, this is match four, merch. so this would be the match before the intermission. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think back to did they have an intermission at the show I went to? This was a long time ago. Um, no, because I met Dragon before the show started. If anyone hasn't listened to previous podcasts and you just catch with it, yeah, I met Dragon uh, for that show. <laughs> it's like mates. Yep. Yeah, he's my buddy. Obviously, yeah, he loved me. <laughs> I definitely did massively embarrass myself by asking a dumb fucking question. Fucking anyway, um, <laughs> let's move on. So we have Adam Brooks, who I'd not really seen before, versus Bask in his glory. Keith motherfucking Lee is here, boys. Good. Let's go. Thank God that Bearcat bloke had a start before WWE. They made him a star, <laughs> right? <laughs> The camera fades up and the whole place is going, oh, basket is glory. And you're like, eh, that's a British chant, but you guys are nailing it, you know? It's like before the introductions, before anything, they're just like, Keith fucking Lee is so over. Can't fuck this up, can they, Tax? No way, no way, mana mana. Um, would I you be know, right? most talented, decently sized lovable man of color just like oh he's, i hate that phrase actually a black gentleman whatever you want to say um he is just perfect 
He's so easy to book as a pro wrestler. No, he's like, not. Why people struggled in the sports entertainment up. company? <laughs> Fucking idiots. All you had to do was have him beat people and win the belt. It's not fucking complicated. He's Keith Lee. Great promo. Great personality. Incredible wrestler. Puts on these giant Hoss matches. Oh, he's so lovable. What is wrong with these fucking morons? Well, obvious question. Do you think this would have been a completely different story if Keith Lee was white? Um, well, I don't know. I don't think Vince knows what the fuck he's doing anymore with anyone. It's weird. Like, uh, yeah, I, I think Vince is a full-on fucking racist. We've talked about this for years. Like, he may pretend to himself that he isn't somehow, but he fucking is. You know, look at the 30, 40 years of booking pre-rock where there's not a single dark face on any main event for the history of their company. What do you mean there was no one like that? Coco Beware had a parrot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When the Wild Samoans are coming out and the gimmick is they're eating the ice cream to get to the stick, (laughs) you're just like... This might be a bit racist, lads. What? Not as bad as when one oh, of God. one of the barbarian replaced one of the uh, the head shrinker boys, <laughs> and it was put down mm. to the other one having some bad fit. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, fucking hell. Anyway, um, Keith Lee, man, he's uh, he's a bit over, isn't he? I get the impression that like, they've built a lot of their shows around him for the last like couple of years in PWG. Not, not really. Not really. He's only been there for about six months. Really? <laughs> He's that good. Yeah. He just instantly connects with the crowd. It's astonishing how someone can fuck this up, you know? How could they fuck this? Anyway. <laughs> how could you fuck up Keith Lee, you know? It's, it's Interesting wrong. opponent for his last last yeah. match. But so, was, was this whole idea of like, okay, right, we're going to do the classic thing. We're going to give a wrestler a rub on the way out sort of thing absolutely um i don't know if you caught it on commentary but excalibur kind of explains he goes this is keith lee's last pwg match and these two became best friends on a previous pwg show and this match is what is unlikely to happen elsewhere so why not do it here okay is the way they phrase it and basically the thing is that they seem to um, i think brooks came across he's an australian lad by the way uh, came across um probably doing very well in australia which seems to be the implication uh met keith lee Obviously, he got along with Keith Lee. Who doesn't get along with Keith Lee? Seems like one of the greatest human beings in existence. Just basking in his glory. Fucking glory hunter. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, uh, I think Excalibur explained in commentary that uh, he stayed with Keith Lee. They kind of put him up and everything. And they kind of like, you know, made friends. And so I think this is almost a on my way out, going to the Fed. Can I put over this guy I like, please? You need some new talent guys to fill the boots, you know? It's great. And what a match it was. Good storytelling. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It has its moments. It's not my favourite match of the night, that's for sure. No, I mean, considering what we just had with Eagles and Bandido, but Rich, any match where someone tries to deliver a Mongolian chop, misses it, and then goes back for the Mongolian chops later on, that's it. <laughs> that's what I look for in a match. Big Great Okan fan over here. Yeah. Fucking love, <laughs> love Great <it>. Okan. <laughs> oh, it's so fun. So the match starts, right? Where Keith is like, come on then, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> and so Brooks open hand chops Keith Lee to the chest. Keith no sells it. And the crowd are like, you fucked up. You fucked up. And off we go. Like, that's a great way to start a match. It's really funny. 
I, I, I love the, the fact that so we've got that. He tries to do the shitty shoulder block as well. Then he leapfrogs almost into Keith Lee's finisher. Was it uh, Spirit Bomb? Was that yeah, his finisher? Was that no, his finisher as well? I, I assume it's transferred over. And then uh, like we've got this whole, it's setting up the it's speed versus strength uh, match. Absolutely. So again, Styles match, so make you, matches. You could say that Keith Lee is a big, strong, hard boy. <laughs> he looks like, what would you get if you had a bear with the speed of a cat? <laughs> A, a cat bear. No, Bruce. That's cat not bear. right. Bear. Claw cat bear. <laughs> Claw cat. I know. <laughs> oh, we'll call stupid. him the Mongolian cat chopper. Wait, that sounds this, bad. <laughs> That's brilliant. Bit. He's, he's definitely Mongolian, right? But he's not white, so it'll be fine. <laughs> fucking Vince. So uh, there's this fucking great bit. Where, like, you know, this lad tries to beat the shit out of Keith. Keith just kind of stands there and laughs, like, heartily. Like, he's having a jolly old good time. And Keith just stops the match and goes, Me big, you small. <laughs> like, it's fucking so funny. What a beautiful break in the action as well. Going from constant high spots for three matches to Keith Lee being like, let's have some fun here, you know? It's and this just sits in with the whole atmosphere of this show. The fact that they know he's going, the fact that everyone knows he's going to go off and become a huge superstar. Everyone is having fun, and also one of the things I thought about this match, which was interesting, is because he's off to the Fed. The style of the match being worked was not overly risky. I think it was very much yeah, sure. Keith Lee was like, I want to do the honours. I want to put over my friend. I want to put on a good show for the crowd. But I also don't want to jeopardise my final bookings. I'm, I'm, I'm obligated to meet. Because in fairness to WWE, when they sign these indie talents, they're like, finish your bookings, then come on down. When you're on the, on the cusp of greatness and an almost guaranteed main event spot at Mania, you're not going to over egg it but that's where the speed versus strength thing comes in except yeah surprise keith lee is pretty good at speed and yeah. loves to attempt to pounce <laughs> absolutely so um before we get into like little spots and stuff i've, I've written more for this match because obviously i want to do keith lee justice the show is named after him um but uh, i know you're not a movie guy mr tax williams but are you a uh, a pokemon guy no. I'm not so much a Pokemon guy either, but Keith Lee has a Mewtwo on his shorts, which is a Pokemon. And so he wants to be the very best, like no one ever was. You won't get that. Someone at home will. Mr. Brooks, before I eat you alive, I'd like to give you the opportunity to stop what you're doing and bask in <laughs> Brooks pokes Keith in the eye. <laughs> Boo, like, can he do that, great. Joey? <laughs> fucking a uh really really fun uh slower story-based match here to start with and like you know brooks is trying to do spots and keith lee's like and sends brooks into orbit and you're like hey this is great um i love that there's loads of kind of silly crowd interactions then we have one pleb in the crowd that i think you were gonna talk about just a moment what john johnny big guns or i don't know if it was him that said it but someone shouts something about 
Digimon being better than Pokemon or whatever, and the crowd instantly turn on him and are like, fuck that guy. Um, because he's kind of getting himself over rather than focusing on the match. And I love when crowd like self-police like this. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't noted it down, but now you mentioned it, the memory of this, it was Oh, and I hate to say it, it just reminded me of the sort of shit you'd get at a well-known British indie show. Yeah, absolutely. But like the crowd wouldn't police itself in that case. No, they'd It'd just be us going, "Shut the fuck up!" You Other know? people are like, huh, "No, he's 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 he he's a he's a dark mew to a ch- Charmander thing." Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So Let's chant about it for fifteen fucking minutes. <sighs> Gotta catch them all, Keithley's pants. <laughs> What's that melody? For like 20 minutes in a fucking 20 minute match. You're like, shut the fuck up. Slow clap time. <laughs> Is this annoying yet? <laughs> it's your round. Should we fill it's our your podcast. It's your with- round. <laughs> it's your round. You've got, you've got, because you've not, you've not come to a wrestling show before. So <laughs> we're going to tell you to buy us a drink because we're all cunts. <laughs> can't wait for them to come back with live fans great i tell you what the best work progress Um, has done has been on the network with no fans so uh okay call out some unique spots here brooks pulls back the top rope and lets it snap into keith lee's face nicely done i like that that was fucking sick i'm stealing that shit if everything (laughs) uh so brooks is um it's very much a he's kind of doing Tommy N spots, but with meteoras rather than kicks. Or as we like to call it, Seema's moves. Yeah, it's a Seema moveset, basically. And it's it's great. But it it's like, you know, Tommy End about three years before the big London shows. Yes. Where he was like, he was okay, but it's like it's a bit like Budget CM Punk, you know? Tommy End was MMA. That's what it was in the, the, the early London shows, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was, it was almost like not cool MMA. It was just, oh, look, he's doing kicks. Oh, he's doing strikes. Great. But like the, the Tommy End, the Alistair Black, the Malachi Black you see now is this amazing developed character, you know what I mean? Who has these astonishingly cool moves and the moves matter when he does them, et cetera, et cetera, you know? What a character, by the way, nowadays. Fucking hell, Malachi Black's awesome. I also liked him calling out Pillman on Twitter earlier. Like, Pillman basically, fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. Blah, blah, blah. Showing him, like, doing some MMA training. And Mally Black just basically wrote, what a stupid thing. Show me what you're working on. Oh, well done, duck in a wheel <laughs> kick. Genius. It's lovely, man. I think Malachi Black has his... um. Uh... uh Hmm. I don't know how to phrase this. He was mean about the place I work once. <laughs> Which well, I think was unnecessary. He was only mean about but the place he worked because he had to defend his wife. Well. <sighs> Which we reported the facts about. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. But, okay, <laughs> so, but anyway, ready for, ready for a bold on. prediction quickly. Mally Black. Go on. I guarantee you. So obviously there's the rumours that obviously Brody King will be there. But I wonder where he spit the mist into the eyes of Julia Hart. Because obviously everyone who's been misted their personality has changed like so obviously cody's now going on to the darker side i mm. wonder if julia hart is going to become part of malachi black's faction interesting mm. 
wonder whether she's a good actress or not. <laughs> she does her role. Right? <laughs> she certainly yeah, screamed that, loud. The worst bit about that. When the mist didn't go in her so face. It's where the mist basically missed her and it was all over Pillman's face and Pillman wasn't selling it. <laughs> I was like, um, could we not have pre-taped this to make sure it went okay? No, she's committed, like, Julia Hart. She's committed. She was like, nope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She did great in her role. No problem there. There's this massive problem, right? And that you've seen Muto. Um, uh, oh my God. Tajiri. Thank you very much. And like a few other people do the mist over the years and they nail it every time. You know what I mean? Ali Black hasn't quite mastered doing the mist yet. And so it's like, I'm way too far away. (laughs) You've barely got any on your face. Probably swallowed half of it two seconds ago. At least to like talk to Triple H, (laughs) get some tips. I can imagine that phone call. Hi, Paul. Quick question. Yeah, I do work for that guy who keeps on shitting on your company. Don't worry about that, though. Um, oh, and also, I, I did you all on contracts because I never signed an extension. So I was on my NXT 30 days. But how oh, do you so spit good. so far and so vastly? <laughs> and then Triple H would be like, well, when I worked in Mexico. <laughs> 15 minutes into this match, these lads start running some massive spots. Oh, by the way, we're talking about the match again. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> Triple H, Tommy End. Uh, the crowd chants. Um, feel a tad forced as the match goes on i think they're a little bit burnt out boiling hot room in southern california in may probably a bit tired at this point yeah and they've been playing their part in the three matches prior and they're wanting to give keith lee that big send-off but it it does seem a little bit forced but i also wonder if like you mentioned about the uh the shitty pokemon stuff where they had stopped policing the crowd themselves i wonder if at that stage that might have dulled things down a bit because people were doing yeah, maybe. the good chance. I mean, even like in one of the early matches when they were chanting, both these guys, both these guys, like I said, that, uh, it irks me a bit, but it's okay. But I wonder if at this stage, people were less inclined to play their role of booing the baddie, cheering the good guy in fear of getting shat on by the rest of the audience. So I wonder if that played a factor in any way. Absolutely. The other thing that I, I definitely had in the back of my head as this match was going on was it's a bit weird that they put this relatively new guy with the established Keith Lee who's on his way out. Seems like he's going to put him over. Like straight away, I'm like, oh, we know what's happening here. It's the right thing to do. But if you had him, say, wrestling, I don't know, who's at the top of this card? Walter or uh, Guevara. Say those names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wrestling Thatcher, for example, or Walter or someone like that, Walter. Um, then maybe, you know, there's more of a chance that maybe he isn't gonna just put this guy over because there's that story to tell. And, you know, what if Keith Lee gets the win on the way out? And what if there's a swerve like did we see in Punk and ROH back in the day when everyone thought he was on his way out and then he won the belt and you're like, What the fuck? He's got the belt. What's gonna happen here? you know? But um Anyway, so huge spirit bomb, uh, basically like a pop-up last ride. It's fucking incredible. Uh, Keith Lee gets a huge pop and a standing ovation. It's it's almost like he's a very impressive wrestler, Ty. wonder if he's got a future in this business. Maybe Mexico mm, yeah. with uh, that killer cross bloke. <laughs> so <laughs> this match breaks down into a bouillet spot where both lads are throwing strikes in the middle of the ring. Three out of four matches the- we've had that. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Uh, slightly fluffed Canadian Destroyer, with Keith, which Keith kicks out a one. It would have been very cool if they'd hit the Destroyer clean, but, you know, people fluff. And that's why you kick out a one, because it wasn't hit properly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it was meant like that. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks does a Fosbury flop over the top to the outside. Uh, almost a repeat from the Bandido spot when he's going to land head first, but Keith Lee catches him. Um, but uh, Keith Lee is murder clown levels of catching people. What a boss. Yeah. It's almost like you'd want this reliable wrestler. You know, you mean someone who company. doesn't jump out of the way during a dive? Hello, Bowens and Caster. <laughs> <laughs> Good lads. I like the acclaimed, and I thought, well played. Let's <laughs> let Darby fall. Just let Darby die. <laughs> you fucking power slammed him on the floor. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. See you later. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so um, there's this beautiful moment in this match where the aforementioned little kid in the front row starts to motivate Keith Lee. And instead of like doing what 90% of wrestlers would do, where they would just be like, Okay, okay. And then just kind of slowly build to their feet. He's like, oh, I'm going to hulk up because this kid is motivating me. Like the crowd interaction. Oh, it's beautiful. Like theater, man. So much fun. And who would you want to baby be in your entertainment company where a lot of your target audience is small kids? Because that little yeah. girl coming out. A wrestler this, that knows how to work a crowd. Yeah, this little girl is going to leave the show, including what happens after this event. Like, She'll remember for as long as she's a wrestling fan, this will be one of the most special nights of professional wrestling for her because of you know she got Keith Lee motivated and uh, off to the races he went. So beautiful, man! Like this improv element of just like, oh yeah, we're allowed to improvise and have fun with this, you know. But in the context of the theatre we're performing, which is this fight that we're choreographing, you know, on the fly. Oh, it's pro wrestling's fucking glorious when it's done this well some would say you should bask in its glory absolutely so keith 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 and sorry keith has brooks up brooks grabs the ref brooks low blows keith lee swanton off the top by adam brooks so huge boos the crowd are like fuck this guy for the one two three that referee was trying to fuck on me <laughs> Oh, and this was such a shame because, like this, this was designed like like we said, this was designed for Brooks to get over. But I don't know if the pressure of the event; it was just an off day because there was a fair amount of sloppiness in this match. Again, no, no more than you'd expect. But like things like the destroyer spot and things like that, you know. And <clears throat> it, it does feel like Keith Lee's agreed to do a bunch of spots he knows he shouldn't be doing with this lad. You know? Yeah. Um. Keith Lee's always really crisp. This is his last match. He's like, I'll get you over. I'll do whatever you want. You know? Yeah, you lead the match, mate. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Keith Lee was really crisp. Oh, no, he was really crisp in all his matches. And again, it's the same thing here. Like, everything he did had meaning. Everything he did. And also, like, everything was thoughtful for what Keith Lee did. Again, with, with Brooks, he was hitting his spots. That was that was fine, but it was, was got after a while. It's a case of spot for the sake of a spot, and everything Keith Lee did here was designed by design to be slow, methodical, and build Brooks up, whilst obviously having the spots to entertain the crowd. But as you said, yeah. doing the right thing to to put someone over on the way out. He's a phenomenal talent. Wherever he goes next, if he chooses to go back into wrestling rather than doing anything else, he will be a huge success in whatever he does. 
oh god he better come to pwg and pwg that's what we're doing now aw he, he you know that he would be a huge fucking star well maybe you don't know there's so many talented guys that's the problem there. again now that's the problem yeah. because if you think aw even like six months ago they didn't have cole they didn't have punk and obviously let's let's be honest like cole is in there to have super elite elite versus undisputed era unless they call a swerve ball and have like red dragon with kenny and cole and the bucks i keep rebooking this in my head a million different ways isn't it exciting not knowing how it's going to end exactly but the problem the problem is you've got that you'll have punk and mjf Mm. you'll have whatever dragon's doing next mox when he's fit and well enough to come back they're going to be like your five six people taking up those premium live event matches <laughs> don't you start saying that but i and i just it's the same thing as everyone's like oh bray wyatt Wyndham needs to end up in aw but where and why mm. we can't all be top of the cards and like, like miro because he's like injured at the moment shouldn't have wrestled those two matches that he did um against orange Cassidy and and dragon but you know he's he should be the next monster so if page beats dragon in a couple of nights time with a screwy judges finish or maybe not it needs to be miro versus hangman <laughs> I, I agree with that um i think dragon's gonna win by the way just throwing it out there but uh, oh yeah well he, he, he has to because they've gone on to tbs and he's the established star they're gonna have a big title change on their opening night on the new network and it's going to be for a screwy judge decision, which I would like to speculate will be Brie Bella. <laughs> oh, wow. That would be a move with the whole television contracts and stuff. Mm. But who knows? Anyway, so um, Adam Brooks wins the match, by the way. Let's get back to this. Uh, so Brooks immediately heads to the back, and I'm like, I like that man because he lets Keith Lee get the thank you chance and the big huzzah as he's off the way out, on his way out, sorry. Um, he won the match here, but still knows to immediately head to the back the second the bell goes. Yeah. Like that's a lovely bit of respect. That's like holding the um the ropes open for the the veterans at the end of the match or something. Yeah, you know? definitely, and the right thing to do. Um, and then unfortunately, uh, due to production values, we got Keith Lee talking about something I couldn't hear. <laughs> okay so thankfully i've got a pretty badass audio setup here so i got most of this so keith lee grabs the mic still selling the low blow almost like he's good at pro wrestling and he goes that was some bullshit (laughs) that was funny in the high-pitched voice like i get every time my daughter runs at me and punches me in my left nutsack Oh, so funny, man. As a, as a, as so a quick good. sidebar for this, not to break again. Cool, yeah, because you're expecting Keith Lee to be like, oh, man, that was so great. Like, his really deep voice. He's like, that was some bullshit. <laughs> so funny. Does, is your, it's got to put that over. Is Go your on. daughter now at a height where if she runs at you, she does end up punching in the balls? Yes, my ball defense is <laughs> strong. Right. Let's put it my, that way. My ball defense isn't because ha- Tax Jr. is too quick, but it's always always the left nut that gets it like seriously like christmas eve she stood like at 90 degrees to me like put her arms out to hug me but it was like sideways on so one hand hit my ass and the left her, her other hand smacks me right in the balls as she went to hug me and i was floored and literally mate like it's it's the left one it's like she's got a fucking oh, no. heat-seeking missile of that's the one stomp <laughs> <laughs> it's very fun. oh mate but yeah and, um, and i can only sympathize with keith lee 
Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> so Keith Lee grabs the mic and he's, he's putting over PWG, et cetera, et cetera, like you would expect. And he talks about um, tonight for this match, he, he wore the first hoodie he ever wore to the ring with the um, Bask in His Glory on the back of it. And how he was touched that PWG would name this show after him, considering it was their last show in their home kind of venue of this Reseda, California. And so he says something about Mr. Wrestling, etc. I lost that bit, but he decides to give it to the, um, oh, that's what it is. So he put up the hoodie for an auction and he's kind of putting over that the money that this person who's in attendance tonight paid for this hoodie, you know, went to feed homeless people and kids and all this sort of stuff and all the money has pretty much gone to charity which is a lovely lovely touch and this guy paid over the odds for this hoodie and then keith lee calls him up to the ring goes to give him this hoodie and the guy the fan who purchased this hoodie goes nah give it to the little kid at ringside who motivated you during the match and you're like oh that's adorable yeah it's a beautiful thing and they you know wrestling can be good can't it wrestling can be full of nice people what a lovely man yeah dude. absolutely beautiful really nice and again i i know we've joked about it. this should have been the this should have been the scene which they cut to and they wwe paid pwg for for their post wrestlemania moment when keith lee wings the big belt and they go here's him taking the bow to each guy taking the bow to each guy and giving the hoodie to the ch- the child in the crowd <sighs> And that could have been the case of, and that's their mainstream. That's their video. That's their my sacrifice uh, video for Keith Lee. Yeah, they've got that. There. It's Mick Foley jumping off the roof. Yeah, you know? that's the thing they've got, and that's a case of we've got a global superstar here. For whatever reason, yeah. they couldn't work out what the heck to do with him. But again, as I keep saying. They are not a wrestling company. Keith Lee is a professional wrestler and he needs to work at a wrestling company. And if I'm completely honest, I suspect we will see Keith Lee versus Moose uh, before we see <laughs> Keith Lee in AEW. I think we can find a spot from an AEW, I'm convinced. I only trust Tony Khan to book him properly at this point. Um, I think he'd get lost in New Japan. I think they're too... Um... Oh, I'm trying not to use the word xenophobic. Um, but yeah, they, they like their Japanese guys. Let's put it that way. Um, I just don't. I just I don't Keith see struggle over there at this moment in time a place for him. But also, if I was Tony Khan, I'd be very much on the lines of WWE will not re-sign him. And based on sort of Mia Yim's comments after going, I can't imagine Keith Lee would ever go back. So he will be on the market. <laughs> oh, fuck that. Yeah, he'll be on the market when well, TK needs him. And the same thing as Bray. Yeah, you know, he knows that WWE will sign him because he sells merch, but he doesn't need to go anywhere yet because I'm pretty sure. From a Bray Wyatt standpoint, he's got money. But from a Keith Lee standpoint, you know, he had his NXT contract. I don't know how much money he would have been on. But I get the impression from Keith Lee being so down to earth. I don't think he's the sort of person who needs millions and millions of dollars to live an extravagant lifestyle. I think he's very happy with his soon-to-be wife. You get, well, obviously, you get the impression. You never know. But you get the impression he's very happy with his lifestyle that he has. And he's just grateful to have survived his health battles last year. And ready to go for whatever the next chapter is and allowed to gracefully have a grey beard again. So fair play to Keith Lee. Absolutely. Right, I completely agree with you. Love Keith Lee. Hope all the best for him. Really, really do. Uh, We've got quite a lot to get through. We've gone quite long and it's getting quite late. I don't want to wake up my kids. So can we smash through these last bits? Yeah, I mean, we've got three matches left. And to be fair, like 
you've got Jonah Rock, who was Bronson Reed in NXT against Timothy Thatcher, currently in NXT, but I very much oh. doubt he'll be there for uh, for much long. This is just what a match! This, oh my god! This to me was match of the night. With again, everyone loves a Fujiwara armbar. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. My God, the bell rings, Timmy blocks a strike, throws one of his own, but Joni uses his size to squash Thatcher with a crossbody. Like, that is the story here. It's Jonah is constantly trying to, like, squash Tim, and Tim is using his striking. Like, I'm going to be honest, mate. I think Thatcher might be really fucking good at pro wrestling. He, like, one of the very best. He is good. And wouldn't it be nice in an arena of professional wrestling to see Thatcher versus Cesaro? Mate, I'm going to be totally honest. I think Thatcher might be in that Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero grade. I think he's that good. I would agree with you. I, I And the thing is as well, like he's always been in Volta's shadow. Like He's never been the main focus of anything. Because when he was, again, it was always like him and Thatcher for ring camp, but it was always Volta. Thatcher was always like yeah. the the noble deputy. Even when we saw that match um, at Ali Pali, which was obviously Thatcher, Volta, and Riddle, mm-hmm. the three way. Like even in that match, everyone was like, "Oh, look at Volta do the chops!" But Thatcher just bossed that, and he did in this Absolutely. match. You know, again, no, no disrespect to, to Jonah Rock, but Thatcher makes this match. And again, he's got a fantastic dance partner in Jonah Rock. Yeah. And, again, who doesn't love a fucking big, big lad frog splash for the end? <laughs> yeah. Mate, mate, just just to give a shout out to Jonah going all big dog halfway through the match and wanking off his fist yeah. and going, wah! Yeah, spear and Superman <laughs> like, punch. <laughs> totally in, mate. Really, really fun. Um, yeah, insanely great match. Solid heel face. Really good selling. Like, unbelievably good selling. Particularly on Thatch's part. Always, like, the body part that was hurt earlier is the bit he's selling, like, fuck he's good um they stuck with the size against kind of like you know technique and ag- aggression story like they really really went with it swift reversals persistence of trying to get that fujiwara over and over and over again like really big fight feel for this match when it's two guys that have like almost no story and i definitely don't know the backstory like for them to get me this invested by the end of it fucking incredible again finishes with the biggest frog splash i've ever fucking seen from jonah rock off the top finally squashes thatcher the bit he was trying to do right from the beginning of the match incredible storytelling one two three when is jonah rock yeah my match of the night. really really good miles. again big hot big lad wrestling really fun uh, it's amazing it makes keith lee's match look like the let me down match just to warm down yeah. the, cl- the crowd for this um and again astonishing isn't it <laughs> but i'm very much aware that we are pushed for time so don't worry our next match is matt riddle versus the shit in your sandwich your female wrestlers hated wrestler the jewish canon we'll keep that one in because that's absolutely fine the physical embodiment of a shithead the most dickish man in professional wrestling, the Bernie Sanders of professional wrestling, the worst of the worst, Mr. Americana, Davy Prickfaced, the circumcised savior, the 104-worded shitty apologized man, the main event, he's no longer that active on Twitter, <laughs> the man who had a lovely DM discussion with me about We the Independent and he's a fucking moron, it's the dickhead David Starr versus equal dickhead Matt Riddle. 
Yeah, I can't believe David Starr's actually activated his Twitter again. What a cunt. Uh, you know, I, I I spoke to you when we did this show. We're like, just so you know, there's at least one person on this show which was very involved in the speaking out movement. I thought there was going to be a couple more because PWG, obviously, like a lot of these American Indies have used a couple of these guys, um, probably unknowingly, you'd like to think. Who knows? Um but like yeah fuck man <laughs> david Starr wasn't just a bit of a dick to his girlfriends there's some real horrible accusations out there which yeah fuck that guy from what i can tell yeah and and, and like we said before you know it's not because we're pushed for time for this match but this i don't want to talk about this fucking match. no it it was a match on a card if you're interested in either of these wrestlers go and watch it um matt riddle likes to not wear wear shoes and has suplex again i think another company were involved in the speaking out movement so we're just going to gloss over and go on to uh what type of match is it rich so oh yes it's time for your main event of the evening the pwg world championship match of your current champion volta versus a w standout and pillar of the company mm. i'm not sure about this pillar terms sammy guevara when i saw this i'm like right, I, I was like go on i wonder what's going to main event this if keith lee's on his way out and vault is the champion who are they going to have to main event with him for the last ever show at the legion hang on a minute it's one of the most overrated people in AEW. Oh, that's mean. He's very He's good. a home wrecker, Rich. He's a home wrecker. <laughs> <laughs> and worst worst part of uh, it. Okay. Hey, no, no need for accusations. Nothing's going on. Happy New Year, Tate. <laughs> can't get in the way of true love. That's you know, I I, I jest and I joke. You can't sure, get in the way okay. of true love, you know. I'm not gonna lie. It, it, the timing was so awful bad. With the proposal on TV, like that looks horrific. But at the same time, like, uh, when you saw those two people, were you a bit like, wait, huh? <laughs> that sounds so mean. But reality, you know? Yeah. And, and also, I, I was, if I was dating Kim Bassinger, you'd probably be like, wait, what? <laughs> I'd say I always knew he was rich. Sorry. <laughs> I like to use the Kim Bassinger as that example every time because it's just a funny name to say. Kim Bassinger. Oh, Kim Basinger. <laughs> Yeah, Americans. But, but like Sammy Guevara here, or Sammy Guevara, he looks bigger. He looks broader and bulkier than he does now in AEW. So it looked like before he got to AEW, yeah. he was like his shoulders were really stocky at this stage, and it seems like he was. I don't know if it, like his body form, he was like trying to to bulk out. Body form for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, good <laughs> But yeah, it's. It's an- someone just turned off the podcast because I did that. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it's an odd main event. I know, like that uh, Excalibur put over on on commentary, like this is part of the the story into leading this into like Walter's first title defense. But I've never been, I've never been bought in by Sammy Guevara. I don't know. But, but this is classic PWG. It's we've got a fucking awesome champion. Who should we give a shot to? And it's like trying to give people chances. They were the first guy to give Roderick Strong the belt. They were the first guy to give Carl O'Reilly the belt. They were the first guy to give Kevin Steen, uh, Super Dragon, El Generico. These were, this PWG is the guys that go, we see something in this person, push them to the moon. And you may not like it or whatever, but like they obviously saw something in Sammy Guevara that Tony Khan sees in Sammy Guevara. And I'm, I trust Tony, Tony Khan, if I'm totally honest, you know? 
yeah. I, I said it's maybe maybe it's something for me that I don't get the character work. Maybe it's because I'm too old to understand like the the sign stuff, which essentially a rip off of everything from Love Actually, where he stands up on site during the the ads and holds yeah. up the words and stuff like that. It's 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 free promo time with the picture in picture. Obviously, it's, it's I understand the concept. It's one a little thing with me as well. And at this point in his career with his PWG show, he's heel Sammy. And in his kind of I like pandas phase, which is a bit like, okay, cool. I think it's something to do with his heritage or whatever. But what, raised by pandas? <laughs> <laughs> I think more like he has an Asian background. There's maybe. the, there's the WWE My Sacrifice storyline where Sammy being raised by two. <laughs> raised by pandas. <laughs> raised by the pandas there's <laughs> dixie in the background being like that one shoot that one sammy Guevara <laughs> saved his dad from getting shot in the power in the power plant and then they see him birthed in the cave of anchorman <laughs> with ling Wan the panda <laughs> sarge with sammy in one headlock and a panda in the other be like <laughs> uh, and that that comment is probably more entertaining this whole match unfortunately Oh, you're mean. I like this match. I thought it was fun. Um, can we talk about the PWG belt? Oh, yeah. It's absolutely beautiful on the kind of like green leather because Gorilla is spelled G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, by the way. Gorilla? Yeah. yeah, that's how you spell it. Like Gorilla Warfare rather than like Gorilla's the animal. Um, But like uh, the plate on the side is broken, but it's not repaired. And I'm like, oh, it's so punk rock. I love it. Well, belts are expensive. We know this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rick Knox is refereeing tonight. Gets a lovely pop. His return to refereeing. He's obviously, um, you know, AW bound at this point, and so he's working for them. So he's kind of doing stuff with PWG, but it's very much relaxed compared to. He used to referee almost every match on the card. Some nights. Keep keep the budge budget low. That's what I like. <laughs> yeah. Also, very very good. There was a great bit of PWG where every single Young Bucks match they would super kick uh, Rick Knox at some point <laughs> in the match. It was one of my favorite stories ever because they never let you down. Every single match, they would always super kick Rick Knox. It's like, <laughs> this is so good. Um, so the match starts with Sammy bailing to the outside multiple times to avoid eating a Walter chop. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. So Sammy gives Walter a chop and Walter literally looks down at Sammy and it's like, um, that's, that, you're joking, right? <laughs> it's so much fun. So Walter sets Sammy up to do the same, give him the big chop, and the crowd go nuts anticipating this chop. The simple method of getting a pop for anticipating a simple strike, that's quite a special thing to achieve. There's no doubting that Walter's, uh, again, should be a huge star. But, you know, he was jobbed out in Survivor Series a couple of years ago. Part of the NXT team. Well, you see, Tax, he's got a funny accent, so therefore can't be a successful wrestler. Hang on, wait a second, though. But he doesn't have a funny enough accent so he can be the real evil foreign heel. He doesn't have any form of like, uh, you know, he doesn't look evil at all. Could we have him in a? Could we have him in in a dusty scenario? That's what Vince would say. It's like, can can we have him in Desert Storm? (laughs) Well, no, because he's from Europe. Ah, he's a rugby player. No, no, that was Cesaro. When you when you said dusty scenario, I was like polka dots. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of lawsuits, yes, that's exactly what I was saying. Fuck man, I bet you a million pounds. Vince at some point has looked at him and thought of a stupid, silly gimmick and been like, 
what if <laughs> you've We've got Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss, and Lederhosen Larry? What a trio. <laughs> Wacky Walter. <laughs> Wacky Walter. <laughs> Lederhosen Larry is great. Fuck. <laughs> <sighs> Oktoberfest Oscar? <laughs> How many, like, uh, go on. Oktoberfest. Uh, Sammy of. <laughs> So this whole match is basically Sammy avoiding Volta's big chop and Volta building what? to the chop. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, yeah, did Hey-o. I mean to say that? There's a lot of bi things I am, but bilingual isn't one of them. Oh, brilliant. Oh, I love that Triple H quote. It's one of my favorite lines. Anyway, um, so basically the moment where Walter actually lands the chop is just like, I killed him. It's so Sammy loud. sold it beautifully. <laughs> oh, yeah, I say Sammy sold it. Sammy took it. <laughs> Yeah, like that is a legit owl face on him. Like the one on the outside in front of the fans where Sammy turns to the camera and is just like, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> it's it's just legit. He's just having the shit kicked out of him. And it's beautiful to watch, man. I love it. Yeah, I the, the, the problem with me for this, um, and again, from a... What do you mean? They they did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air spot when he threw him through the curtain. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was funny. But the the whole premise of a, of a title match in the main event of your show, there was no way Sammy was winning this. So already... This, this is very much... Um, oh, what's the word, term I'm looking for? Where a TV show just pleases... It's fan service. It's Volta beating the shit out of a kid no one likes. You know? I mean, I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely at this point in his career, I think Sammy's very, very good. I'm surprised to hear you don't like him as much nowadays. Uh, nowadays? I mean, I just there's it's this sounds awful because it's 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 not meant to but i don't see him as a wrestler i see him as a personality interesting who is very athletic there's no denying he's he's super athletic but for me there's there's nothing that's clicked but again i i think maybe and this isn't putting dispelling sammy i just think it's my age and I don't get the, ha, huh, this is my vlog. This is my this. This is my that. I, I, I just think that maybe his style isn't for me. I, I don't know if maybe I'm being sizist as well, potentially, because I'm like, like here, my, my first thing of Sammy was like, oh, fuck me. He looks a bit no, stockier here. This, is, this, this could be a Sammy I could get on board with. And I don't know. I, I find it. And it's interesting. So I, I don't find the same with Jungle Boy. And they're pretty much the same build. So, I, 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 mm, I, although I'd, okay. I'd, I'd say that Jungle Boy has more of a a physique, it makes it sound really like I certainly don't have a physique at all. Wow, so it's I not, would almost say the opposite, but yeah, okay. But Jungle Boy, I, I, I don't know. Something's clicked. I'm going to go study their bodies later. <laughs> <laughs> I do every night. <laughs> yeah, whilst eating Angel Sorry. Delight, you're right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So uh, as the match goes on, uh, Sammy tries to chop Walter a few times, and Walter has this brilliant look of like, you know, you insolent little shit every time he tries to. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Walter is not just a good, big, strong style New Japan, chop the shit out of guy, get on with the suplexes. He genuinely knows how to tell the story and when to sell and when not to sell. And he does a marvelous job of like working with Sammy here at times. 
But, you know, it takes Sammy a lot of time to get Walter down to that point where Walter is actually beaten down. Like, Walter's one of these guys that whenever you watch his matches, at least for me, you can tell that he's been a trainer, that he's analyzed pro wrestling inside out, back to front. Like, he understands when to do this and why to do it. Like, almost more than 90% of other guys who are on these TV shows every week. Yeah, his psychology and his movement, his footwork, he has everything and and also he's one of the few people who i think from a respect of his peers is a case of no i'm not moving to america if you if you want me to do stuff i'll, I'll do uk shows i'll fly over for like your your premium live events <laughs> get that in there again mm. we're not going to call volta a home wrecker by the way <laughs> just to throw it out there well, i'm scared of him <laughs> i'm scared of jenny <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Excalibur. I, I was going to say, I, may, may, maybe it's maybe it's this this really like terrible mentality or adage to like old school wrestling. Walter would scare the shit out of me, and I knew I'd have no no chance in a real fight with him. Sammy Guevara, <laughs> I think I could knock him out with one punch. <laughs> like I could outrun him. <laughs> yeah, right. So we need to have yeah. that race, and shortly after, I need to have a fight with Sammy. I told you, I won already. You were there. Do you not remember? No, I was too busy being knocked out by Sammy Guevara. <laughs> <laughs> so, in reference to Walter uh, Excalibur, who we haven't talked about much in terms of his commentary. Oh my lord! This this sums up how good, like with language, I think Excalibur is. He says he phrases it like this. The crowd reacts in abject terror every time Volta lands a chop. A visceral, emotional response. Beautiful. Oh, he is good. Like, I'm so happy that there is a pro wrestling promoter out there with a shit ton of money that knows pro wrestling enough that heard Excalibur on PWG commentary. This is blaming what's happened with Tony Khan and gone, that's my guy. You know, not what sports caster fucking Iraqi journalist we can find. Not that he's an Iraqi, but that he was in the Q80 Wars. That's Michael Cole's gimmick, right? No, the other, the other lads only commentate on the Crown Jewel pay-per-views. <laughs> That's so racist. Holy shit. <laughs> We're done. Anyway, um... Fuck, that was so bad. So you can tell how we, when these podcasts run uh, long and it gets late in the night, how the terribleness comes out. Uh, it's it's uh, satirical. It's all good. Um, that's what, like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Excalibur. Incredible. Love him. Maybe my favorite commentator of all time. Ooh. Like, really up there. Like, I think he is that good. Um, Sammy tries to chop down the knees of Volta, as you might expect, but Volta is so big, so strong. Um, he's still still selling the attacks, but knows to fight back all the time. There's real believable power and strength from Volta. It's oh, the details in his storytelling again. It's just oh, so good, like the big boots smashing Sammy out the air. Oh, so simple, but it looks so good. That's the sign of a good wrestler, isn't it? As you said already, with things like the chops, it's making the simple things yeah. look impressive and mean something. And when Sammy goes for his, look, I'm a cool guy pro wrestler, when he uh, impersonates Shawn Michaels to Ric Flair, and instead of going, I'm sorry, I love you, super kick, he goes, I'm not sorry, I hate you, before attempting to do a super kick. But Volta's just like, um, fuck you, and Larry's the shit out of him. That gives him a giant power bomb to be like, no. 
it's just oh it's so much fun dude i love it but the, but that's the thing as well that gets me at the end of this match so obviously the spot where you've got there so he's got larrett and the power power bomb then sammy kicks out at two he shouldn't be kicking out two i know we want to finish with the big lariat which we do at the end but sure. he, sh- he shouldn't be kicking out of this walter's his his psychology of being the wounded animal and the, having the vertical base taken out from him is really really important for, to get the sympathy for a big lad face character. But I think again he gave Sammy a bit too much. I, I think that's uh, that is a PWG thing at this point. You know, it's like um, they don't really do squashes yeah. here. This is very much we do competitive wrestling and we want everyone to get over as much as possible and. Maybe to their floor at times. I can definitely see, but I think if you watched almost any other PWG match in the history, this is almost the case for every single match, you know? Yeah, and, and then as you said, you know, we get more chops, big lariat, Sammy. Hang oh, on, what, what, hang what? on. Let, let's do it justice. Wrist capture, giant chops, Sammy cannot escape. And then Volta doesn't do like a big, you know, um, kabashi style running or throw against the ropes big lariat he literally stands fucking still no bullshit running for volta lariat's the fucker sammy who's also standing still for the one two three it's glorious man fucking so good and the good thing about this big lariat at the end it's the i assume sammy is selling but there's so much believability in water i think he did legitimately turn him inside out (laughs) Yeah, the fact he doesn't like push him against the ropes and larry at him or run the ropes to then larry him. He literally stands there and is like, yeah, fuck you. Bang! Destroys this kid. It's, it's glorious pro wrestling, man. Your winner and still pro wrestling gorilla world champion, Volta. He had an incredible run with this belt. I saw a couple of matches here and there when they moved to the new venue. And um, yeah, Volta just the best man really really good for my first experience of pwg i i love this show this is great and i know that there are people on here who, again we won't cover in detail obviously i watched the match but i wasn't impressed because obviously it's poisoned by anything else and to be fair i wasn't impressed with their match mm. anyway but start to finish I thought their match was a bit shit. start yeah. to finish there were there were bits in every match other than the match with the wrongans and there were bits in the match that i liked whether it be Bandido trying to kill Robbie Eagles with the uh, breakdance suplex. The opening match between Bateman and Brown, even though there were no unknowns, it was a beautiful opening wrestling match. The little bits that you had um, in Ray Horace and Jake Atlas. Sorry, I got, I got my suplexes wrong. I was getting too excited um, earlier. But yeah, <laughs> Ray Horace and, and Jake Atlas was fantastic. Keith Lee, even just having the moment of the crowd going, nah, give it to the little girl, as well as you know, Keith Lee being an insanely good professional wrestler. Start to finish, yeah, two hours, 15 away. minutes. Yeah, lovely. Watched it all in one go. Haven't been able to do that for a wrestling show for a very long time. Really enjoyable. Great setting. Really enjoyed it. And... I would happily, I'd happily pay money for PWG DVDs in the future. I would happily watch PWG. And I'm going to go out and let me give this four cornflakes. Yep, absolutely agree. Um, it would be five um, if it had, uh, you know, not the wrong ones. And it maybe had, you know, a tag match or something because I like tag team wrestling. But this is an easy four. Very, very close to a five. The caliber of wrestling is outstanding. 
I love the unique concepts of pro wrestling gorilla and it is what it is. It will never change. That's fucking brilliant. They don't need to do anything else or anything more. Um, you know, they've now got a better venue they use regularly. And I think they tour the show around a little bit of Southern California. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I've been out of touch a little bit over the last few years, but much like with watching new Japan at the moment, every time I come back to one of these shows, I'm like, God, I should watch more of this. And then, you know, I do sometimes, sometimes I don't fall out of it it's very very hard to keep track of when there's no streaming service especially for an american company and us being brits and stuff i mean like order dvds and stuff honestly is a pain in the ass it feels a bit archaic at this point i know we've run quite long but i will ask this because obviously i mentioned this last week the roh tape library and i know our Mm -hmm. aw plus subscriptions are going up to a 6.99 rather than the 4.99 at the moment but then you get your two dollars fight credit every month and an old pay-per-view etc do you think my my boss pays for mine so sorry (laughs) about that (laughs) do you think potentially due to obviously excalibur's uh work with aw if they were to go back and start having a streaming service themselves do you think maybe if it's available for sale do you think the pwg back catalog would be something tk would be interested in maybe um i think with Excalibur and the other people that own the company, I think the people that still own the company include, I would say, Super Dragon, Excalibur. Um, maybe one of the early guys, like a disco machine, I think, has still involvement. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know who owns it right now. Um, but I think those guys want this to be their their cool thing they have in their back pocket no matter what. You know how, um, I'm trying to use like a music analogy. You know when Dead Kennedys tried to sell their music to Levi's? Yes. And Jello Biafra was like, well, fuck you guys. I'm Dead Kennedys now, <laughs> basically. I think that's how these guys see PWG. It, it's not for commercial sake. It's not for you. It's for us. It's very much how I, I, I'm, I think both of us treat this podcast. It's not really for the listener. We do it for ourselves because... We needed some way to have an excuse to watch pro wrestling and explore the things we wanted to explore and hang out and chat each week. You know, it's there's definitely for me with this podcast of that it's it's much easier to know that you can have social time with friends, especially like dude friends and stuff in this case, whatever, whereby you're doing something together. Like I, I struggle socially just to sit at a room and be with people like, you know, just to be at a party or something like that's very little attraction to me. Uh, maybe it's my personality, whatever. But knowing that we're doing a podcast, knowing that we're going to play a game together, knowing that we're going to play Warhammer or whatever, I'm much more comfortable in that situation rather than just being in a general sit around a table and talk to each other. And I'm not against that by any means. But I think that's a lot how they see PWG. It's like it's their thing that they go and do when they want to do it. And they do it under their own rules, under their own way of being however you want to put it it's their thing and it will forever be their thing i think there's a massive level of respect for pwg from myself yeah about that and again through my uh so again early ish viewings of this like for the last couple of weeks and obviously what i've read up on it it's the epitome of diy done right and the fans appreciate it for what it is and supports the promotion rather than tries to be a part of the promotion. I think that is the big lure for me about this. Um, but as I said, I'm very mindful. We have run very, very long on this and we are on Japanese time. And because my wife is at work tomorrow morning, I drop my daughter at school 
and then I'm going to be fully invested in the full day two of Wrestle Kingdom. So next week, uh, make sure you like and subscribe, and you will be able to join us next week for the Wrestle Kingdom 16 uh, confabulation. Yes. <laughs> let's go, Okada. Night one's in the bag. Fuck Osprey. Let's go. Kazushka, you got this, buddy. Uh, but I'm at Fanboy Rich. Watch us on the Tex Williams on Twitter and Facebook. World of Rest Pod. World of Rest Pod on the Twitter machine. Followers, give us your money. Go to Amazon.co.uk or worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. Yes, that's that the, is website. the website. Worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> and buy one of my new t shirts. We've got a cool, like, you know, new era type logo t shirt. Real simple. We've got a fucking beautiful WCW 2000 style t shirt. It's fucking amazing. And we also might have a Ingobernabres uh, type t shirt coming out, which you're going to love. So give us your money. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Yeah. I love PWG. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye, everyone. Six years, six long years, congratulations. Mazel tov. Uh, si. Uh, Como se uh, congratulations in Espanol? Si, si. Muy bien. Muy bien. That's what... Si. Muy bien. Six years of you, these shitty, stupid... Your promo sucks, generico. Yeah. Your English sucks. Your Spanish sucks. You want to cut a real American promo? Like a real American wrestler? Promo? Yeah. Uh, interview. Si. Promo. Yeah. Promo. Who, who don't you like? Who's no, no bien? No bien. Okay. Oh. Kenny Omega. Chuck Taylor. Good, oh. good, good. Okay. Promo. Talk, talk, talk. Promo? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why? Why? no, no, like, no bueno. Kenny Omega. Chuck Taylor. Good. El genérico número uno. Kenny Omega. No bueno. No bueno. No, no, no. Hold on. Here we go. I'm ready. Say what I say. And you... Say. Okay. Kenny say. Omega eat Chuck Taylor. Kenny Omega eat Chuck Taylor. I want to piss in your boots. I want, I want, I, I want to piss in your boot, boots and your ears, and your ears. Good. I want to eat your children. I eat children. <laughs> I want to eat your children. Que no, no children. Children. Que? Go say, I eat children. <laughs> like a buffet. Like buffet. Like, <laughs> the split is a real... <laughs> Good <laughs> promo! Sorry. I went... <laughs> Sorry. Dude, you spit... And genetic numero uno! Your promos suck. Really? I think good. <laughs> God. Muy good. No, no. See, muy, no good. muy good. Muy good. Horrible. Horrible. No horrible. <laughs> Amigo. No, amigo. You're not my amigo. It's my <laughs> friend. My friend. My friend. Colt. My friend Colt. Good. Okay, let's go get laid. Okay. <laughs> no, no. The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. We're tough. We can take it, baby. You got to penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you're talking. Wait just a minute. Get, 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 get,